Did he end it with, and also, you smell nice when you're sleeping? Yeah, right. <laughs> the calls are coming from inside the house. <laughs> well, we've already screwed this up. We're doing it backwards. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. This is Libations for Everyone. You hopefully recognize two of the voices that you've heard thus far. Uh, I am one of the co-hosts, Ben Quam, which would mean that you, sir, are... Charles Wad. Look at him go. Hey, uh, we're here to sip some shots and share some thoughts. And uh, you heard the dulcet tones of a, a wonderful human being and a, a friend of ours. Uh, sir, would you please introduce yourself and uh, let the people know like what you're up to? What are you doing? Yeah, so uh, I'm Andy Boderman. Um, right now, I've been doing a lot of cooking stuff, uh, doing a lot of barbecue stuff, um, playing a little bit of music here and there, kind of getting back into that. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy eighteen months. Uh, everything has changed, and I kind of went off on a tangent and doing, like I said, some barbecue stuff, Instagram, uh, website, doing teaching some classes on that. So yeah, at one point, all three of us were uh, doing things in the beer industry, and then uh, COVID happened, right. and uh, and you went for a complete change. And I want to talk about both things. Sure. Um, I guess maybe first of all. Talk a little bit about your 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 barbecue Instagram and that mm-hmm, channel mm-hmm. and kind of the the journey that you've been on with. You've been retweeted by some huge uh, chefs and and companies. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it, this whole thing is. By the way, I I feel completely like I'm in some weird fever dream uh, with all this because uh, I've always <laughs> loved to cook, right? And started doing that uh, when I was a little kid. You know, helping my mom cook that whole thing, like everybody does. Um, and then, you know, really started taking it seriously when I was like 18 or 19. I used to sit around and watch Food Network all the time. And that's basically... Back when they cooked food on the Food Network? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that's my thing. I don't have any formal training. I worked as a cook in a bar once. Um, that's why I will not call myself a chef. Uh, chefs have a whole slew of other qualities that I do not. <laughs> like, you know, managing food costs <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. Like... Working you can ask P&L. my wife. I spend entirely too much money on food. I'd be horrible running. Neither a of us does that, so yeah. shame yeah. on you. I can't believe you do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, when in addition, so I I've been passionate about this for a long time and, and done it for a long time, um, and then I just never had time because I'm also a musician. So there was a time where I was holding down a forty hour a week day job, plus. Uh, playing three to five nights a week every week uh, and and when was the time to do a you know 17 hour brisket cook it just yeah. you, you can't and so with the pandemic happening all of a sudden I had all this time and I was like now now is the time to really dial into this and have fun and see where I can take it um, because one thing I, I noticed was in all of my social media stuff with with music it was like pulling teeth to get people to support it yeah right um and it and it's across the board because i i'm kind of a gun for hire in town playing drums so it doesn't matter what genre it was or anything uh people just don't seem to care about live music nearly as much as they used to but the second i posted something about something i cooked it would explode and so i just sat there and i was like well I'm going to start an Instagram page. And I started my Instagram page in uh, June of 2019 mm-hmm. just as a kind of fun thing. But then I really kicked it into overdrive uh, when the pandemic hit and started getting really creative, uh, doing some fun stuff. I, I ended up becoming 
uh, one of 64 ambassadors in the world for Meat Church Barbecue uh, out of uh, Waxahachie, Texas. Which then you got me hooked on. Yeah. Because that, that hot honey, man, come yeah, on, get out of here. Hot, hot is so good. It's it, There's this whole world of barbecue out there that in Minnesota, it's just starting to show up. Mm. You know, we're starting to see this stuff out in stores. And uh, so, yeah, let's start working with them. Uh, started doing uh, some food photography for other companies, uh, Frank's Kraut being one of them, uh, which is awesome. Cool. I love those guys. And and we should, it, it, when we're talking about the photography, we should all give you, also give your incredible wife a little shout out. Yes. Uh, so we're both professional photographers. Yeah. Um, I do product photography, food photography. Uh, Nicole Boderman, my wife, uh, also, she's really into portrait photography, so she does a ton of... Uh, family photos and you know uh, she doesn't want to do weddings uh, because it's, uh, she's had a couple bad experiences with uh, you know people's Amen. expectations there's a reason I don't DJ weddings for strangers uh-huh. anymore either uh-huh but uh, she she loves doing like engagement photos things like that um, and she's really really good uh, and then I talked her into <laughs> during the pandemic I talked her into starting an Instagram page. Uh, because it's always been that I cook the meal and then she makes a cocktail. Uh, so she is on Instagram at uh, Minnesota Mixologist. Is, and you is haven't hers. said yours. And, oh, yeah. Mine is uh, BBQ with Boderman. It's long and my last name is hard to spell. But it's B-O-T-E-R-M-A-N. So It's awesome because you'll see, you'll see pictures of his food and then you'll see a cocktail that she put with it and like... She'll smoke water for ice cubes and have that be a part of the cocktail. It's just fun stuff that, yeah. that you don't necessarily see a lot of people being able to do. Also because it would be really hard to pull off in a full bar format, but and, doing something around the and house. Much, and awesome. much like me, yeah. um, I have no – I don't want to open a restaurant and be a chef. That's not what I love to do. With her, she doesn't want to bartend. Mm. Uh, she's like, the patrons would kill me. <laughs> she's like, it would take so long because she just loves – tinkering around with flavors sure and she'll she'll come up with an idea or see another idea and then just like you know tweak some things here and there and kind of make it her own and and uh but yeah that's what we're, we do it for fun and for the passion of of creating something cool and fun and yeah. unique so uh and then obviously as a musician uh what's the temperature of local live music right now i think charles and i have both been fortunate enough to go to a couple uh shows thus far and it's still I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, Charles, but like, there's still an unease about being in a very crowded room with a bunch of people putting their particles in the air with singing along and shouting and cheering. I mean, the shows I've been to, it seems like I'm the only uneasy one there. So <laughs> That's I don't fair. know if I can. <laughs> You're I, the I only perceptive one. Yeah. yeah, I'm standing in the back with my mask on. Like I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> weird. Uh, but yeah, like what? Where? Where is local live music at right now? You know, here's the thing. So I played. Th- three gigs now in the last 18 months which is insane to me because i used to do you know 140 a year at least you know um from what i've seen i totally feel the uneasiness still uh and it's i mean it is a good thing um because it you know people are being more cautious i i think um and and honestly like now that we're getting into the cold season like i don't have I don't want to be playing a lot of gigs indoors until sure. yeah. something really you know breaks with this thing. Um, but it's rough, man. On one side, you have 
people who have been doing what they do for so long and don't know any other way to do it, yeah. but are also conscious and thoughtful human beings. And those two can't coexist because you have to figure out a way to do it. And I, and it was great there for a while um, with some of the Facebook live stuff yeah. and that it was kind of scratching that itch for both the musicians and the people who wanted to see some version of live music. Right. Um, but I think at this point, everybody is just out when it comes to, yeah. we're all over, you know, the Microsoft teams meetings and Facebook's live and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I think we're at a weird point where nobody wants to do that, but we're also a little uneasy about going out still. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know to, to full disclosure. Like I, you've been out probably more than I have. Yeah. Um, I did a CD release party a couple weeks ago. That was, it was well attended, but it was also very responsibly done. Um, everybody had to have their Vax card, uh, and then the seating was set up so everybody was still six feet Spread apart. Sure. Uh, so that was cool yeah. uh, to see that. But well, if it was a CD release, it was Gen Xers, and you know they. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody. To play ball. Well, that's funny. So I, 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 cut, I cut this record uh, with Jonathan Earl. Uh, so check out Jonathan Earl Band. He's awesome. He put out his new record. And he hands me this stack of CDs at the end, you know, like a couple days before the CD <laughs> release part. I'm like, what the hell do you want me to do? I don't even own a CD <laughs> yeah, player yeah, anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't. I thought yep. about it and I was like, I, I, I don't. My laptop doesn't have one. Do you have a car that was manufactured between 10 and 30 oh, years ago? Right. I, I guess technically I do have one in my car. <laughs> oh, I, I, do, I do still have your one. Your car is your CD player. Yeah, but I, I haven't used it in years. I don't even know you if forgot. it works. Yeah, I, I, I literally new, forgot that I had one. I bought a new Forerunner in, in April and I didn't even think about it. I was yeah. like, oh, there's that's a 21. There is no CD nope. player. Anymore. Yeah, there's no way. Nope. It's probably got a 50 gig hard drives. Yeah, exactly. MP3s exactly. on it. <laughs> but all, all of his stuff is available digitally as well. But I thought that was pretty funny. Right on. That is funny. Man, I got to wet my whistle here. Yeah, let's fucking, let's, let's fucking get into this, man. Looking let's at do this. It. All right, here we go. Whiskey. Let's uh, sip some shots, got? share some thoughts. We we got, got, uh, I went with an old faithful. We've talked about this mm-hmm. on the podcast. And we've drank this on the podcast before. But the uh, Elijah Craig Small Batch 94 Proof is... Dollar for dollar, one of my favorite bourbons in the market. Uh, It's not going to win any contests as the best on earth. But if you look at the price for the quality that you get, uh, this stuff, it's my go-to. Like when I don't know what to do or I'm not sure who's going to be into whiskey when when I go to the party, that's what I'll grab. Yeah, easy money. 100%. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. As a matter of fact, that was my – oh, God, that's good. Yeah. That was my kind of – rail uh whiskey for a long time for for cocktail mixing yep uh there was a, a place in town that accidentally priced it at their cost instead of the sale price hello so it ended up being like 14 bucks a bottle That's yeah. and i bought a, a case couple cases. yeah <laughs> yeah you know, that we're one... about the set palmer's last night yeah. how eagle rare suddenly is actually rare even though i used to just use it as a mixer bourbon it's a great bourbon but i used it as a mixer bourbon because uh-huh. it was readily available in totally. like 22 bucks yep. totally buffalo trace same thing ebbs yep. and flows sometimes you can get it sometimes you can't right now they're like no man we don't have any of that right. so i'm pretty much left to <clears throat> the elijah craig but it's right there those are all in league with one another those three are great i like uh, elijah craig bourbons. and uh, larceny is the other one that Larsony, i'll use um, yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. and right in that same price point. Like, I think if you can find it from like you know twenty to twenty five, you're pretty happy with that. 
I'll also give a good shout, a little shout from the event last night. It was a cigar and uh, cocktails event. Shout out to everybody that showed up. Did you have the old fashioned? I did. I did. That is an Irish style whiskey that works beautifully in an old fashioned. I I couldn't agree more. And I was was blew my mind. Keeper's Heart from O'Shaughnessy Distilling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So Pip and and company were there last night at Palmer's in the back. Absolutely fucking beautiful fall night in Minneapolis. It was like 72 degrees. I did not want to go home. Former and, former guests of the podcast, Tony Zaccardi and Stephanie March, also hanging out. Yes. I love Tony. Was, I miss that man. And, I haven't seen him in a long time. And Eric Eastman. Oh, and Eric Eastman. But I think you missed him. I missed him, but so I did hear many, that he was there. Many former guests of the program yep. were there. Uh, Tyler from Meteor was there slinging hot dogs. It was, it was a great time. But I just felt so taken aback that that Irish-style uh, whiskey worked so beautifully in a classic... Kentucky old fashioned. Not being derogatory, it's not my favorite neat, but I've really liked it in a few of the cocktails that I've had it in. I really like it neat too. Do you? It's yeah. it's just it's it, I like a little bit sweeter brown sugar notes, and I've talked about that a lot. That's where my palate goes, which is so funny because I don't really like sweet things, but I do I do with whiskey, and yeah. that like it's some same reason that I like powers. I have a follow up question. Yes. Do you like black cherry uh, soda water? No. Okay. It tastes like. Black cherry to me, yeah, which I like. Yeah, that I can't element, stand it. there's like that. I, I when I first tried it neat, I I said the wrong thing because I liked it. But at the table I was sitting as me and Splinter, uh, Marnie and Nate, I said, "Ooh, that's got kind of like a Robitussin." But that's not what I meant Ooh. to say. I meant like, <laughs> and then I was like, "No, wipe that black yeah. cherry," which I love. So the, I like that note. It's very unique as an Irish style whiskey. It doesn't really taste like many, and that's probably why I like it too because I hate sweet whiskeys so Canadian whiskey go fuck yourself Irish whiskey no thank you I'll do a shot of Powers at the end of the night at yeah. Grumpy's or something but other than that it's not really my bag We, uh, my, my wife and I were fortunate enough to have just come back from uh, New York City and the last Uber that we took uh, we got in and obviously being a uh, behemoth of a man uh, my head is always close to the top of the car no matter what the size of the car is Heard that. and this dude had a black cherry air freshener hanging from the <laughs> oh shit bar right over my head and is it's it tickling you honestly my least favorite flavor out of all of the man-made flavors on earth people that love one, it or hate it yeah I can't I stand do like it. it and I got it and I just sucked up and I was like oh for fuck's sake and the driver looked back at me and I'm like Sorry, I stubbed my toe. Like, I'm not going to yell at you. If you like this smell, I'm in here for 20 minutes tops. It's fine. But it was just like. There are worse smells to have in an Uber, okay? (laughs) And I've smelled a bunch of them. Even if you don't like black cherry. Yeah, black cherry is pretty low on that list of offenders. (laughs) As much as I hate black cherry, it's way above ass. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take that. Yeah, black cherry pucker puke might be a little little worse. (laughs) Thank you. Should we get to the question? Yeah, let's get it. Let's do it. Uh, Andy. If you have to pick one, what's your single favorite protein for grilling or barbecuing? Oh, man. Uh, beef. Uh, without without question. Um, Can we narrow it to a cut? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, beef short ribs. Ooh. 100%. Um, and the reason being, it is everything that brisket is when it's done right, and it takes half the time. Um, Smaller margin of error. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, the the hard part about brisket, obviously, it's two different muscles. So sometimes the way it works, one side renders quicker than the other. Uh, I've never had that problem with beef ribs. Yeah, I just I, I love beef. I love the way that slow cooked beef 
taste, but I also love steaks in general. Um, yeah, definitely. So short ribs. If you were going to go with a dream short rib recipe, like if you were going to prepare like your favorite, yeah. this is my yeah. preparation, like what would you, what would that be for you? Honestly, I do it the same exact way as I do brisket. Uh, so I really like to let the beef flavor shine when I do those. So, uh, typically I'll do either oak or hickory, depending on what I have at the time. I'm not that picky when it comes to the wood, when I smoke it. Um, but it's salt, pepper, uh, occasionally I'll throw some garlic, uh, in there as well, but you know, nice thick kosher salt, you know, a, a, a thick coarse cracked pepper, um, the coarseness is really important for developing bark. Uh, it, it acts as drag for the smoke that's coming over it. So uh, if you are going to do it, uh, definitely get some more coarse stuff. But And then it's like, you know, f- probably four to five hours uh, smoking 275. I on, on In the dream scenario, I use my offset. Yeah. So I have a, a an outlaw uh, offset that is just awesome. I love that thing. Um so yeah, do that, and then I'll wrap in butcher paper, uh, stick it back on two seventy five uh, until basically any time after two hundred. I stop paying attention to the internal temperature, and I just probe probe tender is what I'm looking for. Yep. And when you get it right, as soon as you crack through that that paper, it's like nothing's there. Yeah, it just it's butter all the way through. Mm. Um, and and with those, I I like beef ribs where when you take them off. You just slide the bone out. And yeah. It's, yeah. Now you're going to serve them up. What are you going to serve it with? Oh, that's a good question. So uh, I actually, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, actually local uh, stand-up comedian in town, Cy Amundsen. Cy's incredible. Yeah, Cy's amazing. So Cy contacted me because he has uh, an autoimmune disease. This is He's been very public about it, so I'm not speaking out of school. But uh, he had to go on this incredibly restrictive diet. And so he contacted me to, like, develop some recipes for him. And he's like, I really miss potato salad. He's like, do this. Make make me some potato salad that I can actually eat. So I figured out this recipe that uses uh, avocado mayo uh, as well as Jersey sweet potatoes and a little bit of honey with some uh, chives and uh, bacon. And it is, everybody that I've given it to, I've been calling it medicated potato salad, (laughs) but uh, everybody's like, this is some of the best potato salad I've ever had. So that's definitely a good one for that. Uh, Hell yeah. So yeah, I did that not that long ago, actually. A a small part of the reason for that is probably because most people hate potato salad because potato salad... Like research potato salad is one of the worst foods on earth to me. Yeah. I'd much rather eat what you just described. Yeah, yeah exactly. no, it's than it's a incredible. tub of research potato salad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's and I have another version that's like a loaded baked potato style where mm-hmm. I actually uh, I toss the uh, potatoes in honey hog and then smoke them uh, for a little bit. So honey hog is like nice. a barbecue seasoning that has crystallized honey in it. It's really fantastic. Cool, so, I like. That. Uh, yeah, that would be probably one of my my favorite go to sides. If we're keeping it, you know, pretty pretty simple, we don't have to get super <laughs> mm-hmm. fancy yeah. on it. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm I'm I, I really am just a, a Boston butt. I'm a shoulder guy. Mm. I love it. That's probably the cut of meat that we use the most in our house. Um, and where I've ended up is what we'll use it to start with some form of like tacos, you know, yeah. like which we just eat a lot in our house. And then no matter what. 
I'll always do at least one round of ramen, and then I'll do like whatever's left. It kind of bats cleanup uh, with like a fried rice, and I love doing. Um, it's kind of honestly, it's a little bit of a riff on that that um, the the honey, uh, but I add uh, kosher salt, pepper, and then um, Chinese five spice. Yeah, and all of that works so well because that cut is so unctuous and it's so fat and it just has so much like awesome flavor but then you add a little bit of of spice and a little bit of uh sweetness to it and then it kind of works across the board so i can hit some pretty hardcore uh amazing hot sauces whether it's one that i've pulled from charles or one of the ones that randomly that i've made hit it on there mine the ones that i make are usually pretty salty and pretty vinegary so i love that balance of having a little sweetness in the meat to it that way yeah but then by the end, when we're doing fried rice, you almost get that same like uh, like takeout Chinese food barbecue pork flavor. Right. Only it just falls apart in your mouth. It just melts in your mouth instead of being those little like jerky nuggets that you mm-hmm. just kind of have to keep right. chewing on like little pork chiclets. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of nice to have the whole thing just go because I'd rather have the grains of rice really be the texture and then everything else just kind of go around it. Um, but yeah, that's that's just my dream. I love doing that. I usually do a mix of like fruited wood uh, to go along with it. Again, to add yeah. a little bit more sweetness to it. Um, and that, same thing. Just keep it going slow and low until it literally, when you push it, it starts to just fall apart. And that's, Absolutely. oh, there's nothing better. The versatility of a pork butt, there is just nothing better. Because you can, you can do a pretty neutral seasoning on it, smoke it, and then you've got, you know, six pounds of the stuff that you can spread across. I mean, pick pick a country. Pick a country in yep. the world that you can't use pulled pork in, in some form of a dish. And, yeah, that's that's awesome. What about you, Charles? Well, I'm a griller. You are. Not a barbecuer. It's the only form of cooking that I don't dabble in very frequently. Actually, the, the last time I did some barbecuing was with uh, my friend Joshua Freeman, and we did beef long ribs. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to barbecue, my favorite is beef. But... As a griller, Francis Mallman is my spirit animal. <laughs> I think my answer would probably be surprising to some people who know me. They would assume readily that it would be beef. Um, but my answer is chicken. I I am I'm gonna give myself a compliment. I am an expert at grilling chicken. Like I nail the temperature just by eye. Like I'll spatchcock it, I'll do quarters. Love Those it. are my two favorite ways to do a spatchcock or, or quarters. Um, you know, I'll do like thighs and drummies or what have you. I'll, I'll do a bone and breast if someone really wants it. And I always nail temp. Like I was like at Marnie when I grill. I'm like, come on, man. Like, come on. How's it that juicy? Like, you know, no one's going to die here tonight and it's super juicy. <laughs> exactly what you're looking no, for. No, that's the thing is you got to have the confidence to not overcook chicken. And so many yes. people are terrified to overcook chicken. Absolutely. I was telling someone the other day that oh, a couple of days ago, I was telling uh, Paul Butenhoff um, that my mom always has always said to me when I'm grilling for the family, like, just make cook my chicken a little more than you cook your chicken. And I'm like, Mom, there's there's two forms of fucked and then <laughs> yes. there's cooked. <laughs> there's, those are the only levels. There's I might kill you tonight and there's this is not edible yeah. and then there's cooked chicken, which is like sixty seconds yeah. between those yep. two values. Yep. Yeah. So I, I and I brought that up because I walk away. If she's like cook my steak more, I'm like okay, now my job's done because the steak is perfectly prepared. Yeah, I am not going to be responsible for what happens from this point on forward. So please take it off the grill when you're ready. I have <laughs> I have had your chicken. My philosophy. I've had grilled chicken from you twice, and I will say that my thing, and I'm not saying this is 
you across the board. I don't know that that's true. But I will say the thing that I come away with, outside of it being juicy and flavorful, is that you nail the char. And I think that that is something that is missing from a lot of people's because they're so afraid of overcooking it. Completely. That then they just sit on it and you just end up like basically getting like a microwaved with grill marks uh, piece of chicken. That's another thing where there are two extremes because people will have flabby skin or they'll have burnt skin. Right. And the the reason that I love cooking with open fire as much as I do uh, when it's like uh, you're, you're dealing with really high heats is that uh, it really is like very animalistic. It's very like carnal yeah you need to to understand where you need to put the thing that you're cooking to get it cooked through and then also to get the color that you're looking for with chicken that's very difficult because so many people you know use your lid like people who i've watched people cook chicken and it's just like burning and covered in soot i'm like dude close the lid because the fat is making uh soot shoot all over your meat and then they pull it out and it's like that weird green burnt (laughs) chicken (laughs) that that tastes like shit and you're like Oh, I'm not. I'm not gonna eat this. I just lick the inside of your grill. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, apologies to our listeners if they just heard a bunch of like rustling around. Uh, as Charles was talking, I realized that my windscreen, the the <laughs> the cable going to it, was perfectly covering your face, and I was going cross-eyed while trying to look at you. So I, <laughs> I'm going to leave that in because we love to show how the sausage is made here. But uh, I, I tried to keep that pretty low. I turned my mic down a little bit, but if you hear that, that's all that was. I wasn't getting uh, kidnapped or or uh, covered with chloroform. I did see you wince, and I thought it was the description of the sooty chicken. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that too. It could be both. Right. (laughs) It makes me wince, too. Well, uh, (laughs) fuck it. Should we uh, put one up? Let's put one up. Uh, Let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Delightful. Mm -hmm. Question numero dos. Uh, Well, we actually got to talk about this a little bit at the top of the show. But as we referred to, uh, you're a pretty amazing drummer. Uh, I can say that because we've listened to music together and <laughs> we've talked about theory. Sure. And I've also seen you play. Uh, I love when I get to talk to people that, that understand music and that get why they like music. The answer, I just listen to whatever's on, will forever be something that haunts me when people say it, especially people I care about. 100%. <laughs> so whether as a listener and as a fan or as a, a, a musician yourself, um, is there one person who influenced your style or your love of music the most? One artist, one musician, one person who really had a huge effect on how you listen to music, what you like about music, or how you play? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, we're going to nerd out here for just a second because you know what I'm going to say. I was hoping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so early on in my career, I was fortunate enough to meet one Bernard Purdy. Uh, if you've never heard that name before, Google it and find his website and look at the discography. Uh, you've never heard his name, but you've definitely heard him play. 100%. He's, he's been on pretty much every record out there. So when I was 12 years old, uh, I started playing drums when I was three. Um, I started really taking it seriously when I was 12. I thought, this is something I want to do as a career. I want to pursue this art form. Uh and when you're 12, the bigger, flashier, crazy, technical musicians are what everybody goes to initially. So uh, I had seen a VHS tape of Terry Bozio, uh, which he had played for Zappa. Um, he, he did a bunch of stuff, Missing Persons, 
that whole thing. Uh, but he also would do these insane like orchestral drumming pieces where he had a, literally a 20-piece drum kit, 20 drums, and then like 50 cymbals. And he was doing these like crazy things. And uh, uh, back in town, in, in Bloomington here in Minnesota, we had Mars Music. Uh, and they would do a lot of clinics of musicians. And when I was 12, uh, Terry Bozio came. And I went and saw and witnessed this monstrosity of a drum kit uh, and all the things that went along with it and his incredible ability. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And so I'm at home like doing my weird foot ostinatos and trying to play different time signatures over two hands and uh, I should also preface that I am fifth generation musician. So uh, my dad is a bass player. He was watching all of this happen <laughs> and just smiling like a movie villain. <laughs> sort of like he he saw how it was pulling me uh, into the interest, you know, inter- being interested in in playing drums. Uh, what was funny though is he's like, as a drummer, that's not something that you should try to do immediately, you know. Uh, so he found out that Bernard Purdy was coming to town. I think it was like a couple months later. And uh, he's like, uh, I'm taking you to this one. Uh, and I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, you know, what, 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 and he's just like, just shut up and come with me. And I'll never forget, we got to Mars, and here was a five piece kit, <laughs> pretty standard, with the toms backwards. Uh, that was a pretty thing. He always put his small tom where the medium tom would normally go. And he started playing. And in that moment, uh, I felt everything from him. And it, it's hard to explain, especially to non-musicians. But there is, you know, there is a certain feel that being in the room of like Bernard Purdy, you cannot replicate that on a record. Yep. You can't replicate that anywhere. And I just like my brain turned to shit and I just went that's what I want to do. Like I felt his groove, you know, like the his feel was so good. Uh so I, you know, met with him. Uh he signed some stuff for me and and uh and Put keep it simple. He, I, I still have a, a postcard at home where he said, "Andy, you know, to Andy, keep it simple." And uh, so, yeah. Fast forward, uh, I don't know how many years, a lot. Um, I always was like, "Purdy's my guy. Purdy's my guy." And I was at the Nam show in uh, Orange County in Anaheim uh, in twenty fifteen or sixteen. I think it was sixteen. And I turned the corner, and there's Bernard Purdy just. Turn the, just walking around and I went up and I said you know Mr. Purdy I just I wanted to say hello and and I told him the story of the first time I saw him yeah uh, cool he started crying you guys oh and he gave me a hug come on I am not making this up Ugh. he started crying gave me a hug and said we need to keep in touch gave me his phone number Wow. So I'm like, you know, 
Cloud That's Nine. Like, oh my god! Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. So for the rest of the time in LA, I'm just like I'm at Bernard Purdy. <laughs> Everywhere I went, I'm eating in, in and out. I'm like Bernard Purdy. Yeah. How is that guy floating? Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, I'm friends with Bernard Purdy. No big deal. <laughs> um, so so yeah. Fast forward like two years later, uh, Mick Sterling locally was putting together the he was trying to break the Guinness book of world records for the most drummers playing at once uh and so we put on this huge event it was awesome and he reached out to me he's like we need somebody to like come in as the star to like lead this and so i was like well i have bernard purdy's phone number (laughs) and i was like i'm not making any promises like he gave it to me whatever but i'll I'll try to call him and see if we can get him involved so like my hands are trembling as I as I like search through my phone and I'm like, oh, there's the number and I push it. And he answered. And I was just like, oh my God. Like one of the most recorded drummers in history just answers Hi. his own phone. Yeah. I was like expecting I don't know why I was expecting something else. Uh, but I, you know, told him the situation. I was like, I don't know if you remember me. I was the big guy. And he's like, Of course I remember you, Andy. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Uh, I'm going to put you in contact with, you know, my management and, and let's get it done. And he just the most amazing sweetheart of a man Unreal. ever. Yeah. And he came and did the show and killed it. And I got an amazing photo of him kissing the side of my face. Oh, uh, it's actually on my other Instagram account, which is guru of groove. Uh, that's more of my music stuff. I haven't done much there for a long time, but that photo is on there. Uh, and that is legitimately one of my most prized possessions. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. That is wonderful. I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this at all, but one of the first times that you and I ever talked about music was on Facebook because uh, his drums on Ooh Child by the Five Stair Steps is one of my favorite drum lines in the history of music. Absolutely. And that is a song, it's forever in my top ten favorite songs of all time. And that song will will get me out of any funk. And uh, at the time, I did not realize the breadth of his catalog. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple of people were like, that song's cool. And then you you gave me like a little quick study because I love how loose it feels. And you were like, it feels that loose because he's so tight in the pocket of what's going on. Right. And right. then we kind of went back and forth over that. And I hear the song differently now because yeah. of that. But that also got me. I, I freely admit I did not know how incredibly um, prolific he was as as a yeah. drummer. And there's a lot of, um, as was very common back in the day, there's a ton of uncredited stuff that he's done as well. Uh, there is some controversy <laughs> around him claiming that he did a lot of uh, uh, recording with the Beatles. Um, hmm. But I'm not going to get into that here because uh, that's basically been, I, I think it's been disproven. He okay. still swears by it, yep. but whatever. Uh, but he was on, I mean, tons of Aretha stuff. Uh, just all of that funk and soul coming out of the 60s, 70s, 80s, like Steely Dan stuff. Like some of the greatest Steely Dan uh, drum stuff was his, you know, Babylon Sisters. That's all Purdy. That's so wild. And and he's really the one who started the thing called the Purdy Shuffle, mm-hmm. which can be heard in so many different songs. Like Rosanna from Toto is a great example. Um, yeah. Also, Rosanna from Toto, one of the funkiest bass lines uh, in rock history. 100%. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. a, also I'm a Toto fool, stan. I'll admit it. Also fool in the rain. Yeah. You're a, you're a <laughs> yeah. Toto Bobo? I'm a Toto Bobo. Uh, Charles, what about you? So I'm a former death metal vocalist. I, can, uh, I think I could say former. I haven't been in a band in over a decade. I'm about to turn 40. <clears throat> I, uh, I idolized a lot of bands when I was younger, but I think the most formative band, or among the most formative bands that really influenced me earlier on uh, when I was applying my trade as a death metal vocalist was a band called Converge, which is a pretty well-known band. I've mentioned them on the show before. Big fan of theirs. So Jacob Bannon, there's kind of a folk, the lead singer of Jacob Bannon. He's also a designer. Um, so I feel like we were kids <laughs> exactly. spirits. He, uh, there's, there's some folklore about him having recorded Jane Doe and that as he was recording it, he was so guttural that he was like spitting blood all over the mic. And people don't believe that story because they're like, that can't possibly happen. It does. It does happen, and I know I know this for a fact because I was uh, in a recording session with an old band of mine called the Atrocity Exhibition, and it happened to me. And I remember as it was happening in my head, going, "Yeah, dude, I'm 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 like <laughs> conjuring this the spirit. He's not that, but I'm conjuring Jacob Bannon into this recording studio at this very moment, and just being so proud of myself because yeah, of fuck that." Yeah. Uh, so that that is my easy answer. I would say is I always I the the vocals on Jane Doe are like horrifyingly guttural. Like it sounds like he is furious in a way that I mean that's what death metal sounds like to a lot of people, regardless of, or, or, or any form of metal where someone's screaming. That's what it sounds like to people who don't listen to the genre. Mm-hmm. But the way that he screams on that album to me is like the ultimate form of vocals for that form of that style of music it's like the, and so the, yeah. the pinnacle i've always held that up on a pedestal for like sure that album and his performance on it and um obviously like the folklore of him spitting blood all over the mic is like well yeah did you hear his fucking voice like, <laughs> of course he did yeah dylan you spit hot fire but did you spit blood <laughs> right. did you die yeah <laughs> that's awesome I uh, I wrestled with this question because I you know as I've talked about a lot I'm I'm music obsessed uh, I'm proudly former musician I don't ever have any I was never good enough that this was worth the work you know <laughs> there's there's a point I I've I've learned over the years there's like a point where if you start to ingest too much other music it also starts to make it hard for you to be a creative yourself because there's so much influence going on inside your brain. Sure. And there were a few people that definitely like shifted, like gave me a new timeline a la Loki. Uh, But when I was walking from my car here today, it kind of just dawned on me randomly. Uh, I, I weirdly think I have to say Dave Grohl because sometimes the people that influence us the most are the people that you don't even realize are influencing you. Totally. And I've had this weird, uh, I, I just finished, he wrote an autobiography that just came out and I just finished it over the weekend and I didn't realize how much a part of my entire adult music life he's been. And the more that I thought about it, cause he, they kind of do it chronologically. And I started thinking about like, well, where was I when that was going? I'm like, holy fuck, I was listening to that. And every time that in in a normal career path, you were supposed to zig whatever it was in life made him zag. And that usually made me fall in love with him more. If you asked me to list my favorite bands or artists, I don't think the Foo Fighters would make the top 10, but I've seen them live more than any other band period. And I, I, Hmm. I didn't even realize that until I started thinking about the amount of shows and tours that I've seen. 
And that's a weird feeling to think about. And then I remembered um, I was late to Nirvana. I was, uh, I was Soundgarden first, and then it was Pearl Jam after that. And really, mm-hmm. Nirvana didn't hit for me until the Unplugged album really hit. Like, of course, fucking Smells Like Teen Spirit and Lithium and uh, Rape Me and like all those, like the songs that were on the radio, they were good songs. I wasn't anti-Nirvana. But Unplugged, I didn't understand that the band that made Smells Like Teen Spirit or Lithium could do that and that it could be more critically lauded. Yeah. And then Kurt dies and that's that. And then the drummer plays bar chords and starts writing some music and then he gets fucking... Pat Smear, who was like, because <laughs> I was really punk and hip hop at the time, and I was like, wait, what? Like, Pat Smear is 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 playing like pop songs with, what the fuck? And then they started going, and all of a sudden, anytime that that things got stale, they would do something different, and it was always kind of fun. And you could play music, you could be sad, but you could play music with a smile on your face. You could fuck with the crowd, you could have a good time, and every like. Again, when I thought, okay, well, they're just going to be like a stompy 4-4 rock and roll band. And then they did an acoustic set opening for Bob Dylan. And I was standing there fucking floored because it sounded like it was supposed to be the band opening for Bob Dylan. Right. And if you had told me (laughs) six months previous that, like, fucking Monkey Wrench was going to be the the band, the Monkey Wrench band was going to... Yeah. Yeah. like, what? And then I remember hearing an interview with him, um, much like a lot of people, like Everlong is one of my favorite songs of theirs. Uh, I remember hearing an interview with him when they asked, like, that's a really weird, they're weird chords and it's a weird strumming pattern. And they're like, how did you come up with that? Because that doesn't really sound like any of your other songs. And he said he wrote Everlong, all of the guitar parts (laughs) are percussion. It's paradiddles. Right. And um, a, a former friend of mine who I do not have a kind word to say uh, at the time, sent me. Um, he was doing remixes for labels, and he sent me all the stems, and I could sit and listen to each guitar track the whole way down. Yeah, and you can hear it if you can literally if you transpose those chords into a tom or a snare or a, a hi hat or a cymbal, you can hear what the drums were in his head when he was writing that song, and that fucked me up. Like how I saw music, and it like I didn't even think that that was a thing that was possible. Yeah. And then, like, there's so many moments at shows. It, like, I, I, I kind of dragged my wife to a concert. It was the first time she had seen him. And we walked out, and she's like, I'm never going to miss him again. I don't know that she could have named 12 Foo Fighter songs before that. But when somebody plays live, like, to me, that was it, is every time I've seen him, he's having fun with the crowd. And that's how I felt when I'm on stage. That's always how I feel when you put a microphone in my hand and a crowd in front of us, whether I'm raising money for the American Heart Association or trying to get the Timberwolves crowd to cheer on a 14 win season (laughs) or playing some of my terrible acoustic pop or DJing. It's that same vibe. And even after playing to hundreds of thousands of people year after year after year, it seems like they're all still having fun. And I, I I can't recommend if you're a music nerd, even if you don't like Nirvana or the Foo Fighters, we've only got like 30 bands. Yeah. What's your favorite David Grohl, David Grohl release of any um, Would it be a Foo Fighters album? Yeah, probably. I, I really love the um, the Skin and Bones, the the double LP that they put out from their acoustic tour. Um, that was neat because I didn't think that a band like that would do it. Even though that with Nirvana they had done Unplugged. I mean, it makes yeah. sense. He knew how to do it. That was such a grand thing. And on that tour, um, a friend of mine knew one of the roadies. And he was like, dude, don't try and get your way up to the front. 
pull back. There's a, a gated off circle. Just hang out by that. So I was front row, and they descended the band from the ceiling, and then they did a second set uh, with different instruments right in front of me. And they had um, Jesse Green, uh, Minnesota native, who was fucking incredible on fiddle, and she was just cruising around having the time of her life playing violin over songs. Yeah. Like, I think that would be it. But the one that I love telling people about when when they kind of roll their eyes um, is either them crooked vultures, which is like the best fucking boogie rock ever, with uh, John Paul Jones from uh, yeah, Led yeah, Zeppelin yeah. and and um, what's his face from Queens of the Stone Age, Josh yeah, Homme. Yeah. Um, but uh, he produced an EP with the Zach Brown Band. Uh, I I can't even remember the name of it. It's a four song EP, but they have a song called um, Rain. And they let Dave drum on it. And hearing Dave drum over pop country and actually make it work. And, like, huh. it sounds like Dave. The minute you hear it, you know. No, Dave is Dave. Yeah. That's the thing about him is, like, in, in the in the scheme of drummers, uh, Dave is Dave. And I love that about him. Um, he's, not, he's not out there. And he'll be the first to admit. He's not out there to, you know, wow anybody. Um, but he's always hit as hard as he possibly can. And played a, a crazy good, you know, rock groove, and that's his deal. So, Andy, what is your choice? If you Sonic Highways. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's fucking awesome. That the, that record in concept for me was so interesting, um, and they did an HBO documentary yeah. to go along with it. But just when I got, I I have the vinyl. Charles, it, are you familiar with that one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and so for, I'm not a huge Dave Grohl. I'm well, a huge Nirvana fan. Yeah. But for anybody that doesn't know, and then Crooked Vultures, and then also my choice, which is the, probably his most obscure album. Well, yeah. they they went around, and for anybody that doesn't know, they went around and recorded uh, at like all these legendary studios, right? And then they found bands from that area and recorded together. Yeah, and got some stuff in there, but also. Uh, like lyrically and in there's a whole bunch of like subtle nuances that are kind of a tip of the hat to all the regional styles and I really wish they would have done Minneapolis <laughs> and I mm. think uh, I think had that happened that record happened after Prince was gone I think they would have I, I, I agree um, but it, the concept of going in and paying homage to essentially this tapestry of American music uh, is, is so amazing to me because I, I've been on the road. I've traveled uh, quite a few places to play music. And every time I'm in, you know, these crazy venues, you hear about, oh, yeah, the, you know, this band uh, used to play here, you know, however many years ago when they were just getting started, whatever. And it, that history is so amazing to me. And I never want to see that history lost. Yeah. And as time goes on, I, 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 I get nervous that that history is going away. Uh, and so for somebody like somebody like Dave to come in and not only do that record, but do uh, Sound City, you know, capture that Neve board. Like he is the, the secret thing I think that nobody's really paying attention to is Dave Grohl secretly like going around and single handedly curating yeah. American music history. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and for totally that, do. I'm like, there is not another musician I want to hang out with more than Dave Grohl. And I don't want to play music with him. I don't. I, I just want to hang out with the guy. Because yep. he seems like the coolest hang ever. 
Charles, what's your what's your what's your release? So I wouldn't I wouldn't include Nirvana, and I was a huge Nirvana fan. Yeah. I loved all alternative when I was a kid. I would just because of the level of his involvement in some of his not more recent projects, but since then, I'm not a Foo Fighters fan. Um, I don't dislike them. I just mm-hmm. never yeah. really listen to them. My favorite album of his is so obviously he has a lot of versatility. Mm-hmm. And in the early 2000s, he had remarked that he really loves metal and wanted to record a metal album. And I think it was 2005, he recorded an album, a self-titled album with a band called Probot. Fuck yeah. Which is his only metal album ever. Dude, and it fucking slaps. It's great. It's so good. I I would put, uh, that's 1A, and I would put them Crooked Vultures 1B, because it's just a great album. No love for Tenacious D? Well, of course, (laughs) but like, that's, to me, that's that's Jack Black. (laughs) I mean, like, and, and I've been really lucky, like, when he played with uh, Queens of the Stone Age at mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. 400 bar, RIP 400 bar, uh, and they didn't light him. And the minute they started playing, I'm like, there's no way that's not fucking Dave Grohl. No, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and yeah, when they amazing. called into 93X and they announced that they were going to play for Stav that day, and uh, we quit jobs to go to the show. That's amazing. And he, they covered a Husker Du song, and fucking Grant Hart walked out oh, of the right. crowd yeah, and sang it with him. You've mentioned it. Yeah, and like, uh-huh. like that, the look on his face, you, it was fun seeing that somebody at, that, at the peak of their fame is also still just a, a kid who loves music. 100%. Like, All that's, the time, yeah. That, there are very few people at that level of fame that I think still love music the same way they did when they were 12 years old in their house, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like playing drums on pillows and shit. And that's, to me, like, that's the essence of it. And that's, that's how I hope I end up when I look back on my life listening to music. I hope that whenever my last breath is drawn, that I'm still geeking out and turning it up a little too loud for everybody else in the room and putting my face near the speaker and, like, feeling it. Because I think that that's... It's going to be because of hearing loss. Well, of course it is. Yeah. But I'll still be smiling like I did when I was a little kid. That's good. I got to be the happiest. I got to do one, one more quick Dave Grohl note. So one of my favorite games as a drummer, and, and the rest of you drummers out there, if you're listening, you can definitely play this game too. And that is fit the intro of Smells Like Teen Spirit into any song that you're playing. <laughs> I When I was – years ago, I was on the casino circuit uh, in the Midwest. So we were doing like 150 dates a year at casinos. And you'd get bored because people know, – you know, when you're, when you're back in those casino rooms, uh, nobody gives a shit that you're there. They're there to make money and, you know, the smoke is so thick your eyes are watering. And, you know, we would do six or seven nights in a row. And one of the ways that I kept myself interested was two things. One was try to sneak the solo from Wipeout. <laughs> and I was doing this, like, in some classic country shit, too. So I'd be playing, like, George Jones tunes. But uh, if you come out to see me play with uh, any band that I'm playing with in town, <laughs> you, I will sneak the intro to Smells Like Teen Spirit into something. And I've told select members of bands that I play with that I do this and the funniest thing is when I do it and I look up and somebody's doubled over yeah. yep. like on the oh, other oh. side of the stage. There it was. There it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a disco bot, man. But it's the hi-hat, man. The hi-hat is the key to that fill. All right. Well, here's to drummers hugging and crying. To Dave Grohl and spitting hot blood on And spitting hot blood. Great questions, guys, by the way. <laughs> we try. We literally try, by the way. It's it's sometimes hard being like, okay, what's what's a different take on this? 
That's no, I got to listen to Probot. I did after, too. After listening to the totality of this episode. <laughs> Probot. What do we got? Question number three here? Yep. Question number three. Andy, what is the optimal beverage for mise en place, actively barbecuing or cooking, and relaxing after all your hard work? Pick one or, or pick all. Just oh. whatever, whatever you feel like. Man. That is a really good question. I told you, I love this question. So, I think this is awesome. When you say mise en place, are you talking like as I'm doing it, I'm reaching for yeah, the if beverage? Yeah, if you, if you got a beverage on hand while you're chopping Get veg. Your prep going. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those, cause those, are, those are the three stages 100%. of cooking. It's the preparation, yeah, it's the act of cooking, yep, and yep. it's the debrief and yep. wind down afterward. Um. This is probably going to be an unpopular, but when I'm doing prep work, uh, Jim Beam Diet Coke. (laughs) Just sipping. Because I don't have time to sit and necessarily, like, savor each sip, right? Uh, I'm timing stuff out. I've got everything laid out, you know, and and there there you go. Um, And then, man, it really – God, it depends so much on what I'm cooking. But I feel like bourbon – uh, bourbon on the rocks tends to kind of fill up the rest of it. I, I so like Ben was saying earlier, uh, we've all been involved in the beer industry at one point or another, and and uh, I was a huge craft beer nerd for a long time. And after four years in the industry, I kind of burned out <laughs> and I needed a break. So that's when I really transitioned into bourbon for sure. Uh, and so that's been I've been exploring that quite a bit. Um, so yeah. So do you progressively drink nicer stuff? You're doing beam coke, and then you're doing what are you doing while you're actually actively barbecuing something so, decent? And then afterwards, you probably do something really nice because you're trying to relax, when, right? And and if I'm like well well if I'm involved in eating, um, definitely you know I, I'm going to do something that's going to pair with what I'm cooking as far as the bourbon goes so um yeah I, I, it does kind of it's weird it does go backwards from what you would <laughs> most consider <laughs> yeah. uh i start with that makes a lot of stuff. sense to me though well it's when it comes to enjoying anything right it all comes down to how much of your brain you are willing to devote to analyzation right so I could I could pour some stag junior uh, and be doing that while I'm cooking, but oh, my yeah, mind my mind's hammered. not in it. What's that? <laughs> then you'd be hammered drinking. Oh, dude, that stuff is dude, that whiskey. stuff is. Yeah, I <laughs> almost I almost brought it with. You just yeah, I, you just named the most powerful whiskey that's on my <laughs> uh, on my cart. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but um, I, I think as as the process <clears throat> goes on, um, I'm able to devote more brain power. To really analyzation and enjoying what I'm what I'm drinking. Sure. So, you know, if it's uh, you know beef works so well with bourbon, just because especially you get a good char on a steak or you get a good uh, bark uh, on, on some ribs or, or a brisket, uh, those roasted notes work so well with you know it, it's I'm smoking on oak and most bourbon. Uh, is in toasted oak, yep. so it's all the same. That's yeah. awesome. Like you're, you're kind of making the circle complete there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm the opposite, man. I uh, 
I've really realized, especially in the last like two years, uh, I'm almost exclusively wine driven. If if I'm going to do like the show, if we're going to go all in, if we're going to do like a full prep and then a long cook and then like a nice, yeah, I'm going to put an asterisk. Nice meal. Let's say it's a nice. Okay, meal, I'm going to put an asterisk on that too, and it's like it's going to be probably the the beam and coke while I'm preparing. But yes, my love of a gigantic cab mm-hmm. uh, with a piece of meat uh, is I, I love that as well. So I, you know, and we've we've talked about this on the show before. I I will set a soundtrack for what I'm making, and uh, yeah, so a glass of wine, uh, the midnight hour by Adrian Young and Alicia He Muhammad. And just chopping, chopping, chopping. And you just kind of like, I don't know, it puts me in like this groove where I feel like everything, like almost every motion is is useful. There's nothing wasted. Sure. And you do that. And then go out, like if I'm going to be doing grilling and barbecuing, uh, I'm going to be outside for a while. That is the one time that I will say that I still very much crave beer. I still enjoy beer, being in the beer industry, but that is when I'm like, oh, I love that. Partially because it's very refreshing, partially mm-hmm. because I love highly carbonated things, and partially because I can make sure that I don't get drunk. <laughs> I can that, parcel out. <laughs> I don't accidentally pour a little too much in there and then go, well, I'm going to I feel like anyway. I need so many asterisks yeah. for my answer because everybody's going to think I'm a raging alcoholic to sit no. around drinking. We always say on this program, <laughs> you answer questions on any given day in a very different way. Absolutely. You know, so it's like, what, what occurred to you today? Yep. That's what occurred to you today. And, my, and then at the end, I would say that is when almost without exception at the end of a meal i would love a whiskey of any type on a rock and just put my feet up and relax and say that was wonderful every now and then i've been branching out into cognac and rum dark rums for the same reason Mm. but uh all things the same it would be like 95 percent. it would be whiskey and then of that 95 percent, probably three quarters of that would be bourbon um, there's definitely times where I'll hit into some Japanese or hit into some scotch, depending on what's been had and what I really am feeling at the moment. But that's really like to cap it all off. If nothing else, it's probably going to be a hit off the infinity bottle and then just put sure. the feet up and relax. Um, but Charles, what about you? I think that our listeners know what we've been drinking all summer, so it wouldn't come as much of a surprise to say that, you know, like a, a light lager or something while I'm preparing or grilling uh, a meal. Crispy I'll say, boys! I'll say what, what I would typically drink now that we're going into, like, the colder season when I'm doing mise and then when I'm preparing food and then afterwards, especially if it's, like, a big fancy meal, like a big to-do. When I'm preparing food... That's like one of the times I think I most enjoy drinking a hazy IPA when I'm uh, when I'm doing mies when I'm chopping vegetables and stuff. Oh, good I point. love I love cracking like a trillium or like something local, a falling knife or or what have you. Um, that's that's something that I just have for many years. It's just a tradition that I like to drink a nice hazy IPA while I'm chopping vegetables and and preparing everything to cook my meal. Actively cooking, I'm probably going to be drinking wine because wine is going to go with the meal. When I pair now, I for many years I've done like. Let's pair beers. Let's pair cocktails. Like, let's be honest. It, when you come back to center, the easiest and best thing to pair with food is wine. It's going to be wine. So while I'm actively cooking, either wine is a part of the meal, and so I'm like, you know, I'm pouring some white wine into the mushrooms. So I'm going to drink that. Or like bubbles are always on offer at our house. So maybe drink some bubbles. 
And then after the meal, uh, when you're like exhausted and my back's sore and you're full <laughs> and everyone's in, you know, at, like either left or they're just like chilling and you're like watching something or listening to some music. Uh, yes, I want to drink a fine pour of most likely some bourbon uh, on a rock. So like crack some BTAC or something. I'm really thinking like this is thinking ahead to like Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Cooking a Thanksgiving dinner is probably the trajectory that will occur. Absolutely. I'll drink I'll drink a hazy or maybe even a cider or something. And then as I'm actually cooking, I'm going to probably drink some like Beaujolais. And then after dinner when I'm fucking pooped because I just cooked dinner for 11 people, I am absolutely going to grab a fine bottle of bourbon, find my brother, be like, you want some pappy or whatever the fuck I open. <laughs> and then hopefully also light a cigar. That's oh, the there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that there's uh, for anybody else that's out there trying to figure it out. It's pick what's going to put you in the mood. Pick what's going to put you in the mood for that. Yeah, you know, like whatever it is in your head that makes you excited about what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, like Charles said, with you, know, your back is sore. You've been on your feet for hours. You probably have a, a solid callus building up on the finger that you hold <laughs> your chef's knife with. Like we all have it. But like that's that's a thing. You're doing a lot of work in order to express a lot of love. And if we're going to talk about self-care, I think that that's an important thing. Give yourself a treat where, yeah, you just diced like four pounds of root vegetables. Cool. <laughs> Give yourself a little like, ooh, piece of wine. Like instead of piece of candy. Like, ooh, <laughs> piece, piece of wine. Of wine. Ooh. That's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Like that's that's the way that I look at that. It, like if it's warmer out, I'll do like a really nice, bright, citrusy, grassy white wine or like a really crisp dry rosé and you look up and you just see like the condensation coming down on the outside of the glass and it's uh. like yep that looks refreshing and delicious take a sip if you're into music put on some good tunes and you're like oh fuck i wasn't even listening i love this song then go back to it you go outside like your reward for me it's like all right we're good we've hit another stage we're getting closer to that temp you know i'm going to take a pull and then at the end, like reward yourself with that. And if that's a, a cup of coffee for you, cool. If that's a dessert for you, great. But man, if you're if you're into the spirits, man, if you get a little a little sweet trending, so you got those dessert notes in there. Oh yeah, man. There's nothing better than the that. the more serious the meal, the more ketchup I have to play at the end. Because I don't know if this happens to you guys, but when I'm like really frenzied in the kitchen and it's fucking you know ratatouille. 2.0. Yeah. I like neglect my beverage. Oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. So oh, absolutely. That's another reason something like a red wine, you don't really have to worry about it. But yep. if you got a beer that needs yep. to be like at a particular temp or a cocktail that completely dilutes the hell, you're like, fuck, that's I have why not I, touched it. No, that's why I do the Jim Beam and Diet Coke. Yeah, it was my cares, Yeti. Right? Yep. Yeah. So oh, it's not getting watered <laughs> yeah. down. Yep. Uh, I should also say that uh, now thinking through that question a little bit more, my wife, that's how this all started, was uh, with Thanksgiving. We were doing Thanksgiving at, at our house, and it was her and I talked about what is the theme for the cocktail. Like, obviously, sure. I, so I'm making the meal. I'm doing all the stuff. She's in charge of the cocktail. So uh, the first couple, like, we did a maple bourbon cooler that was, like, as far as that, that Thanksgiving, yeah, I mean, it got you where you needed to go. Yeah. Probably a little bit too quickly because we were drinking that throughout the day. But something like that where I – that's what makes our, our marriage so much fun yeah. is that I like – I get all nerdy on the food and I say, what is – I'm telling you what I'm going to make now. What is your interpretation of a cocktail or a fun drink that would go with that? 
Uh, and so most nights, if we're entertaining or having people over, uh, she's she's all over it and making just killer stuff. It's it's when you get that flow and and yeah. that's how it works. There's nothing better than that. No, man. The, no, the symbiosis great. of that is just wonderful. Also, uh, there are two listeners that are probably going to text me when they listen to this. I'm not going to call you out by name. I will promise you right now that my admission that in the last two weeks I have had two Beeman diets is in no way related to what Andy just said. And we have not talked about this beforehand. Oh, you getting in? You coming into the club? I was gifted one accidentally at a bar from somebody who misheard what the bartender misheard what the guy ordered. And I didn't hate it. And so I ordered another one. And I'm going to say I don't exactly know how I feel about it right now, but it, it was it was not bad. Hey, hey. Full disclosure, there's nothing wrong with Jim Beam. It's a I great love Jim whiskey. Beam. My problem is Diet the, Coke. The Diet Coke. I have sure, issue with sure, that. Sure. I have zero I love Jim if Beam. You really... I don't think I've ever loved Beam as much as I do now that I've been having those Toki highballs. Yeah. I'm <laughs> telling you. Those have been like yeah. We gotta is, get that it only tastes like beam. We gotta get that highball. Melly. My, Melly. My, my, <laughs> my elevated version of that is I love to use the Evan Williams bottled and bond mm-hmm. uh, in in place of the beam. And sure. then it's yeah. That was that almost came with. I had one of those at home. That almost came with. But I, I've talked enough about uh, the, this that I really wanted to bring the Elijah Craig. Yeah. Uh, shall we? Let's do it. I feel like we should. All right. We uh, of course we got talking so much about drinking that we forgot to pour. There we go. There we go. I mean, it is it, one of the reasons it's a fun question is because when you're put on the spot, you have to think like, well, if I was cooking a meal now, what would I right, grab? Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because an, any given day, you would answer that question. It's Completely totally different. different yeah. All right. Well, cheers. Uh, <clears throat> cheers. cheers. Uh, to those of you that that haven't seen me before, we've talked about it a lot. I am six five and very broad shouldered. Um, Andy Boderman uh, and I multiple times have confused Facebook and the algorithm. And uh, people. And people. And people and in people. real life. We have, we have confused accounts before 100%. Yeah. But uh, Facebook has tried to tag me as Andy and tried to tag Andy as Ben. Where's David Paradise fitting in? Exactly. No, Dave's in there. He's, He's in there. Yeah, yeah, the three of us are uh, all, yeah. Uh, and, and Charles... This is probably a very rare time for you that you are not you are the the smallest person in the room. True, yeah. Because you are also right. a very tall and and uh, Jack human being. I'll give you some. You got you got you got shape to you. You got some Thanks. shoulders. It's been a while since someone called me Jack, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I got I got a little shoulder envy. I was your shoulders are always looking good. You know. Hey, thank you. We can big ups our friends. That's right. Uh, so what I wanted to say, like because of that. People always assume that we're like in the mix whenever anything is going down. And I would say that by and far across the board, most really actual big dudes are like the least likely to be involved in a fight. 100%. Yes. But we all did grow up in like the glory days of action movies and wrestling and all of that. Yes. So what I wanted to ask you is. And also also the glory days of fucking bar hijinks <laughs> well yeah yes we're all of that, that we're all we of were that the age, we were the last era of pre-cell yes. phone camera bar <laughs> hijinks oh, so yeah. so given that era from childhood to now is the or till till cell phones were invented uh is is there was there being larger than most of the people that you grew up with was there either an action star 
or a character or a wrestler or I would even say like a badass pro athlete that you identified with that you're like, okay, like I feel like I'm kind of simpatico with, with, with that person. And that's it's a deep question. It so is. If you want to buy some time, we can definitely do that. I feel like I need to just stumble through the words sure. and I'll find it. Right. <laughs> uh, here's the problem is I was never uh, – an, uh, an aggressive person. Mm-hmm. I was never. Uh, I was never like. I, I didn't play football, um, which absolutely irritated the ever-loving shit out of the, the uh, <laughs> coach because it had, right. he had me. I was literally the biggest guy like in the entire conference in <laughs> northern Minnesota. Um, so I, I was always the artistic kid who wanted to do creative stuff, and I always viewed. Every time I meet a celebrity, I'm still shocked that they're smaller than I am. <laughs> Dude, I'm so do you, you do the same I'm thing? So with you. It's the, Brooklyn, so I, I am six foot six and three hundred and some pounds. Most and I'll celebrities meet, are smaller than me. I like, no, most celebrities are smaller than everybody. Yes. Like seriously, but when I meet a celebrity, the camera adds twelve inches. <laughs> I was in, I was yeah. in, I was in sixth grade, and I got to go see Billy Joel. I grew up playing piano as a kid. And basically back then it was like Billy Joel or Elton John. Those were the only two piano players that you could identify with. And I was not confident enough to identify with Elton John. So Billy Joel was like my only option. So I was all in on that. And uh, Jonah Clevisal, uh, hopefully future guest of the podcast, uh, his father uh, ran a production company and they were doing Billy Joel's tour. I got to go meet him and in sixth fucking grade, I was two inches taller than him and it broke my heart. No. Because okay. he was bigger than right. everything to me. And then I shook his hand and I had to look down at him and say, it's really nice to meet you. And I walked away just fucking flated. Just like, <laughs> God damn it. So when I, when I was in sixth grade, I think it was sixth grade, uh, I was uh, looking through a Sports Illustrated magazine. And they had there was a Nike ad with Michael Jordan's handprint. And it was like Michael Jordan's handprint, actual size. Right, so and, across four pages. I mean, it was a, it was the spread. It was and the fold out. <laughs> and I put my hand up to it, and it was a quarter of an inch shy of Michael Jordan's hand size. When yeah. I was in sixth grade. To, right. to all the listeners out there, Andy Boderman, the first time we were talking about, <laughs> we were becoming friends and we were talking about being large. Yeah. Uh, he is the only human being that is close to me in size. That has put his hand up to mine and was almost a full like knuckle bigger. It, it's all freakish. The way it's, my my hands are absurd, which like, has been good and bad in a lot of scenarios. Brock like, Lesnar mitts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I probably am, am. I mean, it's bigger than Brock Lesnar, I would imagine, because he's could be. He has the biggest gloves yeah. in UFC history. Yeah, yeah I so I would imagine I'm right there with him okay. because like <laughs> when I'm barbecuing, I, uh-huh. I I buy the you know. <laughs> that was a good one. All right, we got a good uh, one. <laughs> Elijah, Elijah's latex, just saying hi. I buy the latex gloves. Yeah. And I buy 3X. Sure. And they're still too small. Okay. Do, so they didn't, do they make a size that is big enough for your hands? No. Okay. Because Lesnar was the first one that they had to like literally Custom make. make. I got it. Like, so Brock, if you're him. out there listening, I've been a huge fan of your work for he a long time. He listens to this show. Friend he of the podcast, yeah. Brock Lesnar. Uh, <laughs> he Friend very, of no one, Brock Lesnar. He very <laughs> well could. Nobody. Yes, he nobody. No, he might listen to the show. He might. 
But he has no friends. Brock, call me. Get a hold of me on social like media. People. I want to get together and I want to measure our hands. That's the weirdest sentence I've ever said, but <laughs> yeah. it needs to happen. Brock, we like meat and bourbon. Come talk to us. Yes. All right? That's right. We could be friends. He was on a YouTube show like two months ago. <laughs> like, butcher, butcher Bros? Or I, butcher? I he's dressing I like, like a cowboy now. That's yeah, his, that's his I mean, at least yeah. you get points for originality yeah. because I've never in my entire life heard somebody try to pitch meeting a celebrity so that we could measure hands. I no, like I don't. I mean, I'm so also a fan of his work. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> it, it actually might be. No. Uh, no, I identify with that so much, but I never saw myself in wrestling guys or i mean i i was a hulkamania that was like the height of my enjoyment of wrestling when i was a kid it was and 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 i love the interviews more than i love the yeah, matches oh, that's what i hands down because there is again the the kind of byline of the whole thing is like in the interviews lied the art right mm, you know like and the the improvisation of these guys uh the ultimate warrior Oh my God! Go back if you haven't listened to the Ultimate Warrior interviews. The dude was improvising stuff that is bananas. Well, he, he and Macho Man, yeah, Macho Man, and Macho Man too, yeah, yeah. each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the crop is rising, and you're gonna go ahead and get this <laughs> oh, in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, but I what's weird is you, you know you asked me that question, and I don't. You asked me the music question immediately. I knew who it was. I, I've never identified. That's also a, that that's an, an answer. answer. With, that's with, an answer. Yeah, with uh, any of those types ever. Hey, that's fucking actually kind of cool. <laughs> well, there you go. It's just your it's, own thing. I mean, I have an easy answer, too. Yeah. I also did not. I, I didn't idolize really anybody when I was a kid. You could say, like, I idolized Charles Barkley because mm-hmm. I played basketball like him. And I thought he was the best and I was so mad that he couldn't win a title he's also hilarious him not having a and ring also is hilarious terrible yeah it's bullshit watch that guy play look at tape of Charles Barkley people forget that that guy was an absolute fucking terror that guy was scary Beast. he was fast he had a jumper had the, any rebound he I wanted the shoes and the starter jacket I got CB34 as my godmother bought him for me we were of little means but she was yep. willing to buy me those shoes and I felt like a champ because before then I had some ASICs that I pretended were pumps I'd be like, you see that? You guys see Dude, that? Kids, kids today don't remember the struggle <laughs> of not being it. able to afford pumps. They don't right. get it. Oh, I, I wanted them so I pretended so my red and white Asics were pumps. I'd be like, oh, yeah, look at the pad. I mean, why would it, why would it be that squishy? There's no other reason for it to be yeah. literally like a piece of a stuffed animal as the, the tongue of the shoe. It's because I'm pumping the shoe. I had the black tea browns. I got hooked up for Christmas. The black tea browns were pretty dope. So I guess my my answer would be that I think all of the various uh, influences in all forms, athletics and acting, pro wrestling, uh, music, maybe I was like a Voltron of those things. Like sure. I wanted to pull yeah. an element from sure. each of them. But I don't sense. think I had any singular, none that come to mind, like a singular individual that I wanted to be just like or I felt like was like me. And it might also be because growing up, going to a Catholic middle school where I was at most times the only brown kid there. It was, I didn't really have anyone to relate yeah, to. No, that's fair. There weren't any like Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, Lebanese, like superheroes or anything like that. So there's also that question mark where it's like, well, these people are all unlike me, but I think maybe in the long run that is a healthy thing because mm-hmm. then you can work on your own individualistic traits. I, that's a hundred percent a great answer. And probably a really healthy way to grow up. 
Yeah, I think, well, I mean, it's not necessarily unhealthy to totally relate so deeply with (laughs) some sort of like fictional character or something. Right. Like, I was obsessed with Nightcrawler. He's my favorite X Men as a kid. Because I always, I I guess maybe a notion of this is that I always liked things that other people didn't like as much. I always liked the underdog. I wanted Charles Barkley. I didn't want Jordan. Mm -hmm. I liked Nightcrawler, not Cyclops or Wolverine. Like, that was my guy, you know? But, so there was, like, elements of his personality that sort of I I felt, like, deep into my soul, but I wasn't like, I'm Nightcrawler. I'm about to teleport. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I was never... <laughs> <laughs> you weren't actively trying to teleport. You I'm just... about to make... Yeah. yeah. I, mean, Dude, I, I might have made a rumor to smell like sulfur when I was a kid, <laughs> but I didn't end up going... <laughs> no, I did get away pretty quick, but <laughs> I did not teleport. <laughs> Oh my god! Nightcrawler is created as a way to to like make it okay to have a like an SPD just drop. Uh, Oh, I I gotta. Ooh, I bamfed. I bamfed. I'm I'm so sorry. I I must leave. And you were were wearing your tearaways, so as you ran off, it was for sure. I did have tearaways in basketball. Yes. Yeah, of course. We all did. I didn't even play basketball, and I had those. You You just stood up in the rafters and just. (laughs) <laughs> the horn goes off. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I was kind of like you. I, I had no interest. I, I was just getting bigger than everybody. Who's you? Uh, sorry, Andy. I, had, yeah. I was very similar. Uh, I had to do it. To no, you. it's beautiful. It hit me with it as I'm pointing directly at it, yeah, and no one can see that. Uh, but yeah, like I, so I ended up as an only child uh, with dad not really around. I ended up really loving all of like. The really, really badass action. Like, Steven Seagal is a great example. Because here's the thing. And, ooh, ooh, dude, I, get, I can't hear that name without just laughing. I get yeah, how fucking like, toxic he is. Yeah. But at the time, Jesus, everybody else. else had to get beaten within an inch of their life. And then they would, like, come back at the end and, like, right, get the right, last right, kill. Right, 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 right. Steven Seagal, in, like, out for justice, gets shot in the liver and just goes, ugh. And then just keeps killing right, people. Right, right. There is something about oh, that that, that I like. That doesn't feel great. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I can't believe you just shot me in the liver. I'm going to fucking kill you now. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Here with martial arts that don't actually work. Right. Uh, so Put a single band-aid on it. Yeah. There was a part of me that like wanted. I, I didn't actually want to be like that. But like I envied that because I felt everything. And I hated the fact that I felt everything. Right, right. Like if I if we were like having fun and like I shoved a kid and he just like went into the wall and I was like, oh god! And everybody oh, would they look at you like I have to interrupt yeah. you. I have to. They look we at you like to, you're a monster. We we used to play uh, uh, touch football during recess, mm-hmm. and anytime the the recess lady was not looking at us, it went to tackle. Of course. I tackled a kid and broke his leg mm-hmm. when I was in third grade. I, and that's like when you're talking legit. about that. It's, that was the first time I was like, oh, I'm not the same. No one cares if you're uh, sorry. They look at you like a fucking monster. Like you're a monster. Absolutely. How can so, you do that? Yeah, so right. I hated that. And I like I just wanted to find like there's got to be somebody like Andre the Giant and Princess Bride was about as close as we got to like having a big guy who was like funny and like kind yeah mm-hmm. but that was kind of it the thing about no, I again sorry to interrupt no no no, time, no, no. But I identify more with Andre the Giant now after yes. watching the yes. documentary I was like yes. motherfucker couldn't take a oh. piss on an airplane like that's what I identify yeah. with like yeah. I don't fit in anything. Nope. Random back pain from just being yes. like, standing for fucking yeah. three hours. Yeah. But 
I, I, I kind of kept running around with this in my head. And I was, I did not, the, the WWE Attitude Era did not even affect me. I watched some WCW and then I didn't care. I was in college at the time. I was way more concerned with what was going on. And The Rock just kept getting more and more famous. And he shouted a lot of catchphrases, but like some of them... Probably were, the most famous person on earth. Some of them were kind this, of... At this juncture. At this juncture, but like yeah. back then. I'm saying right now. Yeah. Uh, He's like, guess what? I have an exercise video. Oh, cool. $8 billion tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I kind of like the idea that like he was like tongue-in-cheek making it a little bit funny. And I didn't think that anything else at that time that I had seen was funny. So I was like, well, I, I guess that's kind of... like I at least tracked who he was. And then the next thing that I remember him doing was the movie Be Cool... Uh, the John Travolta Uma Thurman movie, the sequel to Get Shorty. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Right. I don't yep. know that I ever saw that. I saw it in the theater, and it's not a great film. It's not good. <laughs> but I saw it in the theater, and Vince Vaughn is incredible in it. It's one of my favorite roles of his, and he is a absolute crush of mine. He's trying to save it. But The Rock plays a struggling actor who's trying to get famous, who's also like kind of a hitman, and. <laughs> He he kind of tries to like muscle John Travolta's character into getting him an audition. And there's a scene where he shows up and he's like, I even shot a music video. And The Rock, and this is obviously on his ascent. He was not hugely famous at the time, but he was only known for being a badass wrestler. Right. And um <laughs> the song that he covers in the music video while wearing a red silk shirt, like Western style shirt is you're not a strong enough woman to steal my man. <laughs> and he sings the entire song and it's, it's deadpan. It's like, he's no, his comedic timing. He can is, sing too. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. He, he is, he is amazing. Like he is one of every time he's on SNL, it's must watch TV yep. for me. Cause he just, he kills it. He fucking and kills it. I was just starting to realize that pro wrestlers are great at acting. John Cena just did an interview like a week ago. This is a quick digression. And he said that people are shocked when a wrestler walks on set and then they just do a single take, but they're like, dude, we go on TV and we have to deliver Dude, uh, ten minutes worth live of information, TV. Yeah. live TV in front of an audience right. of live human yeah. beings as well as a television audience, and they're single takers. And he said that he's worked with directors where they're like, "What the fuck? Like, you guys just nail it." Because now you have him, you have Dave Batista, and you have Rocky Johnson, yeah. who are all out there killing it because they have been acting, they've yeah. been doing live theater their whole their entire adult yep. lives, one hundred percent. And then then they go get body slammed, you know, where you know yeah, regular, you regular, theater, regular then you get, actors. Then you get thrown through a table. Yeah, regular exactly. actors are like, okay, cut, and now we're gonna bring in the stunt guy. Now I'll you do it all. No, they're right. they're there for the whole. Now thing. carry him off stage. Yeah. <laughs> I could but don't throw him through a table. Yeah, but and I just like going to the John Cena thing. The hardest that I laughed in that um, the Amy Schumer movie Trainwreck. Was, oh, yeah. was when oh, John Cena turns around and he goes, I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> like, that's such a fucking great... That's such a good And line. he ad-libbed that. Yes. And, like, that's that shit... <laughs> I didn't get that you could you could be big, but you could also, like, kind of take the piss out of people. You could yeah. fucking have fun with it. Oh, see, and I learned role, that right away, yeah. Well, that's what I was, but I thought I was, like, a fucking unicorn that, like, I was somehow just trying to be the funny one. At the, I identified in wrestling, I identified with the managers more than I did with the wrestlers. Right, yeah. and there wasn't an action star that I really 
got and now that it's like you can be actually truly funny and still be like a giant like to yeah. me that was the thing and the rock was the first person that i remember being truly honestly funny not like just self-deprecating but like picking a role like that yeah where you're a, a gay hitman who wants to be an actor and they filmed an entire music video which yeah. by the way is i mean it's it's like Tropic Thunder offensive, but it like that wouldn't play now. But if you go back <laughs> yeah, and watch right, it, right. it's really, really funny. Like he steals every scene that he's in. No, that's his deal, man. Oh I told man, you, like, you're like making me remember <laughs> the whole thing now. I, I gotta go back and it. watch it's been it. A long now. time. I gotta watch it. <laughs> but that was that was when I finally realized, and then that opened the door, and now that's like a thing where you can. Yes, it's okay to be really funny, but also be like the biggest human in the room. You're yeah. not just there to throw people through windows and walls. You can have range. Yep. Like no, a pro that, wrestler. You can yeah. be smart. You can <laughs> yeah. be like, And that was that was my whole thing was it immediately when I meet somebody, I have to quickly disassemble any notion that they have that I'm aggressive in any way. Yep. Um, and, and being uh, I've also in my day jobs, I've been a sales guy for a long time. And one thing, like I worked selling cars and stuff like that. And when a stranger approaches somebody of our size, Ben, I'm looking at you. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you have to immediately just disarm that. Yep. Uh, and, and it becomes this skill that you have. And, I, you know, it's through humor. It's through posture it's through body language posture is such a huge one and well, body language is such yeah a i mean like when you're out in a in a public place look look for the biggest person you can find and almost never will you see them puffing their chest mm -hmm. or trying to make themselves look bigger yep. it's usually the smallest guy there is. absolutely and that's <laughs> the other thing it, is like we true. we have had to deal with in many cases it's not exclusive i'm just saying no it's there, there's definitely something to the napoleon complex mm -hmm. it is a real thing i have experienced it and I, I i've had guys who are five foot five come to me in a bar and maybe i accidentally nudge them and i turn around i'm super apologetic hey man really sorry what the hell man you want to go and i just look at them just stare at him for a while and just go, really? Yeah, and just say really and turn around. Nope. <laughs> and that's like, that's no, we're not going to do this. Nope. Like, I, I have no interest in any of that. I no. find no joy in any of that. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Well, fuck it. To, uh, to cooler heads prevailing and always Absolutely. finding a way to make a laugh. <laughs> for the record, don't beat me up if you see me out in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not good at fighting. But Brock Lesnar, if you're out there, <laughs> let's measure hands. He's very I want to measure hands, and maybe you can show me yeah. how to fight. Hopefully, he doesn't get mad if your hands are bigger than his. <laughs> like yeah, he'd probably kill me, right? Yeah. I he threw a friend of mine like a frisbee at at uh, X Fest one time. I've told I think I've told the story on the podcast. He literally threw him like a frisbee. I watched him do that at he spun like. He literally made like two and a half rotations in the air. That's impressive. <laughs> I watched him do it at Sally's. Yeah, he's scary. And it was just like, I just went, Whoa! <laughs> Everyone cleared the pit except Jeff. <laughs> Jeff was like, let's do this. And he was probably 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, he didn't have a Napoleon complex. He was just really high. Yeah. And was like, cool. I don't think he knew who that was. And then he just <laughs> fucking threw him like a frisbee. <laughs> in my head, the sound was just, wee! Yeah. Wee! <laughs> yep. <laughs> But like, but like this. Wait, wee! <laughs> you gotta go away from the mic. You gotta go away from the. But he was spinning, so you need the Doppler effect. Oh yeah. shit! Wee! Wait, wee! 
<laughs> Did that oh, pick up? Oh my god, it picked up so well it went it went back and forth. That's the, that's the greatest moment of recording in this podcast history. I'm glad I could be a part of it, boys. Uh, Jeff has been immortalized. Human, human fucking frisbee. I can't wait to hear that in my car. If it does that in my car, I might have to pull over. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Let's find a neighborhood. Yep. And, uh, which and is the try best not to run away from a cop. Usually my stories about laughing too hard are always that I had to pull the car over because I was like, this is I'm gonna cause an accident. I need to stop and cry yeah. laugh for fifteen minutes. Yeah. All right, question awesome. numero number five. All right. Now that summer and all its good times have come and gone, name something you're really looking forward to in the coming months. Oh my god, fall. I hate summer. As a fat guy, I just sweat when I'm sitting. Mm. Uh, yeah, it is not a. I am not. So you're built. not a summer guy. I'm not a summer guy, um, which is funny because like all of my favorite outdoor cooking, kind of one of my favorite things is when you have a, a summer morning. You know, I'll get up at like five o'clock, six o'clock. Like a nice, to, cool summer morning. Yeah, to start to start a cook. That like magic hour, even on like an incredibly hot oh, week. Yes, the more yes. that, that time, like it's really got to be like four or five a.m. That yeah. is finally like. Cool. It finally broke. There's some dew. Like yeah, it feels. Get a yeah. cup of coffee, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dry rubbing. I'm seasoning. I'm doing all that stuff, and then, uh, you know, building, tending to the fire outside. Uh, that's mm-hmm. definitely one of my favorite things. But uh, fall time is, you know, I'm, I am the quintessential. I want to wear hoodie and shorts. Uh, I want highs in the 60s. Um, I just hope we actually get a decent fall this year because we've been robbed a couple times where it's just we're gonna. It's been happening every year now where we have extended summer, micro fall, yeah. winter time. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, I, I will say that um, last year uh, my wife and I spent a lot of time. Uh, beefing up the outdoor space so i redid my entire deck uh it it looks awesome i'm so happy with it Um, and then i started making an outdoor kitchen well we just got done with a project in the living room where i installed a uh 74 inch uh it's an awesome electric fireplace hell yeah and and i Mm. built a uh basically a, a fake chimney that goes i mean you've been in my living room ben yep uh so my living room is like 12 foot vaulted ceilings and there was no lighting in the ceiling in there so it was always dark uh and so my wife and i have been talking forever of like we need to do something about this so uh we put in recessed lighting and got that fireplace and then i i you know we built out the the uh, chimney the fake chimney I uh, bought a new TV, bought a new soundbar, uh, got the 65-inch OLED Sony. It's sick. Um, so I'm actually, you know, the thing that this pandemic has taught me is I spent so much time away from home for so long that I really cherish the time that I have in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I never thought as a musician, I never thought I'd be able to own a home. Mm. And I, God, that's fucking you know what real. I mean? Like, Jesus. I was just like, well, I guess I'm renting forever. But we have this, we have this amazingly beautiful house that it's the smallest house in the neighborhood in an insanely nice neighborhood out in Plymouth. And, uh, so I'm really looking forward to like enjoying that space now. 
when we have awesome. to when we have to come inside. Like yeah. obviously we're going to stretch it out. You know, I still have the fire pit, so we'll be we got a couple months of you know doing some bonfires outside, but. Once it really gets cold, um, we've kind of set it up to be kind of a haven to to hang out in. So yeah. comfortable and yeah, so you have options yeah. regardless of weather. Minnesotans got a lot hardier last year, which I love because I yep. do like to hang out outside when it's really cold. Yes. So it's cool to be able to stand out in my yard in like a foot of snow and be like, my friend's coming over to drink beer with me in this shit. Because ordinarily people will be like, what the fuck are we doing out here? And I do, I do cook year round outside. That's another thing I was so, going to yeah. ask. So yeah. that, this this is like the sweet spot for you because it's nice and cool out. Absolutely. I'm like not All day with, long. Yep. Yeah, we got coffee this morning, sat on the patios, you know, like. Yeah. This morning it was like 60 degrees, but I, I want to do that when it's 50 out. Yep. Yeah, the 50, sun's 40, coming out. I just put on a hoodie and sit out there. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. I you know, and and once it gets starts getting really cold, then I start to move over to like my Traeger uh, because I don't have to babysit it nearly as much. And, For real? You know, okay, so you have uh, the offset and then Yeah, so I have, I have an okay. offset, I have a Traeger, uh, I have the flat top Blackstone, I have a, a PK uh, charcoal grill. Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's about it for right now. I am going to add uh, one of the Italian pizza ovens. Mm-hmm. The, like the cool. Uno? or uh, It'll be the Alpha. Or the Uno, so, sorry. The Alpha, yep. Yeah, uh, that'll be next spring. I'm going to do that once the outdoor kitchen area is is uh, completed. And so, yeah, that'll be fun to do all sorts wow. of different Dig shit. It. Yeah. Mm. I... Uh, I think we've talked to, or she talked a little bit about this, but um, this is my romantic answer. Uh, my my wife gets fainty when she gets too hot, and uh, yeah, that happens. It conveniently happened at my wedding. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, it did. Jenny, and, and many Jenny, other I'm fucking kidding. <laughs> um, I have to be clear. I'm joking. But like, she she doesn't when it's hot. Like she doesn't want cuddling. She doesn't want anything. Yeah. What I love is does she is she does she run hot like in the winter too? Yep. Is she like okay? So what I love though is that her hands and her feet will get really cold, and mm. it's my favorite. Like it drives me like I I basically go into like but she will like press her cold feet and her cold hands on me when we're like laying in bed. Okay, and I the, it's it's kind of crazy to say, but there is a level of intimacy to that that I very much love, and I've. It took me a little while uh-huh. to get used to it, but there's that is the symbol of like, oh, we're getting into like cuddle season, like sweaters uh-huh. and blankets <laughs> and all that. And I love it. I absolutely love that. I'm with you in the uh, I will basically up until we get below when we get single degrees, I'm not hanging outside anymore, but all the way down, I'm good with that. I have enough warm clothes and I have an amazing array of jackets that I really love. Yep. I enjoy that very much. Um, I My playlists change. The music I listen to changes as it gets cool. Fall is an incredibly nostalgic time for me and I have no idea why uh, but there is like there are certain songs that I only listen to in the fall 
and that's like legitimately a thing. And it it's a the, romantic season. It is. All it the colors is. and yeah. the leaves falling, and you know the light coats and I go on more walks. Hands yeah. and I, yeah. I, cuddling begins. Absolutely, cuddling season returns. <laughs> yep. you cuddling that. season returns. Yeah, yes. cuddling season that's, returns. It's a huge thing. And uh, the as a minor is, digression, Marnie's the same way. Like. During the summer, it's almost like, man, I, she used to like cuddling. I guess she yeah. doesn't like Don't to cuddle me. anymore. Get away but also, me. I'm a furnace. Yeah, I, same I here. emit so much heat. Yep. So I cannot, like, even... She'll, she'll like, put a knee out. She'll face me and then have a knee out, basically, <laughs> fending me off from Correct. her. Uh, but then this time of year, I'm like, oh, wait, she does still, mm-hmm. like, to cuddle, uh, it turns out. It's because she needs you. She needs the heat <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, okay, I will... So. <laughs> Like I technically, all of these values are. Self- She's being selfish. Oh my god, <laughs> that's what it's all. But, Damn it, Marnie. And then, and then, honestly, <laughs> like what 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 our what happens to our relationship when that happens is also similar to the food. Like mm-hmm. the food gets a little richer. The food gets a little bit more like it gets a little spicy. It gets a little spicy. spicy. And <laughs> then it's spicy as, sticks to your ribs. Right. And then like right when you're done eating, like hey, let's go cuddle and like watch something, mm-hmm. or like let's build a bonfire. Uh, I will Just say, don't that, bamf. I will say, we yeah, don't bamf. We have a new caveat though. Uh, former guest of the podcast, uh, Paul Hennessy, has just installed um, a new sauna at his house, mm-hmm. and oh. I will tell you right now, this is appealing to the Viking in my heart. Yes, uh, I will be gladly spending this sum- this winter uh, going and hitting that sauna. And I am I am the sit in the sauna at two hundred degrees, go lay in the snow. In my underwear, and then get up and go back in the sauna. Underwear. I, I will you press gotta, and repeat. You got to get rid of those underwear and just it's, do it. Do it straight up. I do. I I do agree with you on overall. But uh, cloth, if people. you've <laughs> if you've been in there, it is a very we're going to say intimate sauna. Sure. And oh. as much as I love him, I don't know if we're in the let's interlock legs whilst naked and then mm. go lay in the snow and get back in. Okay. Got it. Weirdly, we actually probably are at that point, but I don't know if I really want to like admit that out loud. You just did <laughs> which I just did on in the a podcast. podcast. Yeah, so uh, I feel like that's also something that I'm very much looking forward to when a friend decides. Uh, two friends, I should say, because his wife Laura was just as much a part of that. Uh, it's a really fucking cool thing, and for those people that enjoy it, I don't know that there's a feeling that I could say I enjoy more than that. There has been I, I just read an article about like the health benefits mm-hmm. of sauna and mm-hmm. and essentially how it kind of speeds up the process of detoxifying. Correct. You, you know. Obviously you have kidneys and a liver that do a good job of that, but when you can sweat out a lot of that stuff, uh it, apparently it's like incredible. So I'm I'm looking at maybe next year I might I might be building one one and for myself. My people swear by that shit and have for centuries. So there has to be at least some sort of a benefit if at some point nobody was like, hey, this is really dumb. You know, like it, it, it well, works. If nothing, else, if nothing else, I think that a lot of people think it feels good. It, I, so that's what I do. The, it absolutely does. Sort of I, I don't. I don't I, if, it, if there's a side benefit to it, great. I don't do it because I think it's healthy for me. I do it because I think it's like one of the most invigorating feelings in the world. It is. And yeah, I'm so, not a fan personally. Yeah. Let me be the 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 dissenter i hate sweating when i don't mean to sweat totally and i mean i guess it that's is summer for me all I don't summer like, i don't right but i don't like We're being here. no not sweating Andy, I don't, we are here because i don't sweat a lot i don't like being i don't like being wet unless there's a good reason like taking a fucking shower i hate it i hate being wet it 
makes me really upset. Ben Shapiro over here. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't him. <laughs> it wasn't him that he doesn't like his wife. Okay. But the, yeah, anyway, sorry. That was, that I was mean, a, I, at least that's what I gather from it, yeah. that he doesn't like his wife. To, yes. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Back on track. What, 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 Charles, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, I got a lame answer and I got a cool answer. The cool answer is I'm turning 40 in November. Yeah. So Congratulations. A little over Welcome a month. Welcome to the club. And I'm, a, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm a, old. I am, I, I, I love to celebrate birthdays, uh, I love to celebrate my friends' birthdays as much as my own, but I love to celebrate my birthday. I have to Do time you... out one second. Uh, I got to give you credit. Uh, I brought the hashtag celebrate everything to everyone that we talked to this weekend in New York. And I have yet to find somebody that didn't immediately like like a light turned on. And like, holy shit. Yes. yes, we fucking should. Why do people feel like they need permission? No. I hate that like celebrate. society has taught us. You can't celebrate. The older you get, the less you can celebrate the things that you used to celebrate. Correct. Fuck all that. Yep. I throw a birthday party for myself every year. You know why? Because all of my favorite people can be invited to convene in the exact same space at the exact same time. And I can be around more of the people I love than on any other day of the year. And that, to me, is so meaningful that I don't give a fuck what the occasion is. Mm. I just want the people that I love to be around. Absolutely, our because trip I want to- I want I want to be allowed to be around all the time. But I don't have a seventy room house. I can't have all my friends come and stay with me uh, every night. So th- that's like the consolation prizes. But if, if they birthday, did, it to- wouldn't it wouldn't be special. Yeah, you know that's that the thing, too. Is, that is, too. Yeah, certainly. Our our trip to New York was essentially it was a celebration of the first trip that Jenny and I ever took together 10 years yes. ago was to New York. That is an insane thing to celebrate if Fuck you it. if you look at Hallmark. That's a great thing but to if celebrate. But you, if you look at like our relationship, that's exactly what the fuck we love doing, and it was a beautiful thing to do. Now, your 40th birthday, that is a big marker on life. So why the fuck wouldn't you want to just blow it up and do something crazy? I almost told Marnie a couple weeks ago that it was our six-and-a-half-day anniversary. Like, Boom. Because I saw <laughs> it, and I wanted yes. to tell her, but I knew that she'd probably be like, that's interesting. But to me, I was like, it's like, yeah, it's like this. Because when we started dating, mm-hmm. I was having a pretty good time. I ended up marrying this lady. And whenever it was like, I'd be like, it's three months. We're going to Spoon and Stable. She'd be like, what the yeah. fuck are you? Okay, sure. Yeah, we're going to, let's go to Spoon and Stable. But I don't need. celebrate everything. And, and, but it's actually more major things that we're, we, we condition people to not care about anymore. Yeah. Stop celebrating your birthday. Stop celebrating your anniversary. Stop celebrating landmark occasions like uh, visiting New York, like things of that nature. Uh, we, we condition people like, come on, man, you're not going to. Uh, I was on a Slack call where people were giving someone a hard time about taking their birthday off. And I was like, do you want to take your birthday off? That's the way you, that you celebrate your birthday? Take your birthday off. Damn right. Like, My by, wife. By all means, yeah. take it off. Yeah. She takes her birthday off every year. My birthday is January 1st, so I've always gotten my birthday off. I don't know any right. other way. It's already a party, which is a right. benefit and a kind of and a curse detractor. In a way. Right. But I, every seven years, mine is on Thanksgiving. So Oh, there you go. But All right. I, but I love that, too. Yeah, no, that's fun because yeah. you love to cook and show sure. your love through that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with celebrating everything because as as human civilization has gone on, like we're no longer 
worried about whether or not we are going to be killed by an apex predator. Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and or like if the harvest is going to happen. Right. Right. We might and so as enough. time goes on, I mean, we, like, we are our own apex predator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Essentially. Well, let's, yeah. Um, I could say a lot on that, but we're, I'm not we're going cannibals. To. We just don't eat flesh. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> that is such a good quote. Uh, but as time goes on, it's like, what what do you have to look forward to? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I am not I am not one for planning uh, things, but th- thank God my wife, you know, she's all about the details. That's and good. Planning you need and everything. that. Yeah, you need that dynamic. And I'm so the planner. I, just, I think Guam is the plan when it comes to at least like recreational. No, I just go. Yeah, getting wild trips for sure. Parties. I, I'm like, I got I got too much anxiety about <laughs> about planning stuff. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you take care of it. You tell me when we're going to do it. And then like two weeks out, I'm going to get real excited. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we do. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah, the dynamic you, works for you. It's, yeah, that's absolutely. Great. I love it's, that. But anything that you can do to make special, why not? Yes. You know, and also spend the money, do the thing. Andy, how old are you? 36. You're 36. Quam is 42. I'm almost 40. It wasn't that long ago that I remember being fucking 13 and ripping off my tearaways and doing crossovers (laughs) on on kids, right? Yeah. Your life will be gone. Done. I'm not going to say the blink of an eye, but it's like the cartoon where the calendar pages flip. And for me, this is something that I subsist by. I don't talk about it a lot on like a public forum like this. But the more you vary your experiences in life, you slow down time. Because 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel very strongly that if you do the same thing every day, time moves more quickly for you. If you vary your experiences, time slows down. I think... And I think so celebrate last, stuff. Yes. Go get that. Get that reservation. You know, again, if it's in your means or like cook a nice dinner or go out in the yard, invite your friend over, have a cocktail, smoke a cigar, celebrate your birthday. I don't care how. Yeah. But slow your life down. A. B. You're going to regret not celebrating your birthday at age 40. Right. 40 not old. But if you're like. Yeah, it's another birthday, whatever. And the people who say that, also, I don't believe any of them. I think the people that say that probably want a birthday party more than exactly. anyone. They cry I, themselves to sleep. Yeah, because I, fr- <laughs> I have friends who do that, and then I throw them a surprise party, and they're like, they're, they're trying to hide their smile. They're like, this, this, this is pretty cool. You can't see my face, but they're doing it like that. <laughs> you know? Trying to, try to stuff yeah, it down. Right, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're, the pandemic has absolutely proven your theory, without a doubt, to me, is... I, I look at where we're at today, and oh my God, 2021's almost over. This thing yeah. happened. Where'd the last two years go? Where did they go? Like my my sense of time, and, and I will say something, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that was like two weeks ago," and 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 Nicole will be like, "Babe, that was that was four mm-hmm. months ago. That was six months ago." And I'm like, That's in my real. head, it's all the same. It's yep. just like. And because of the monotony, because of we're doing the same thing all the time. So, yeah, I mean, right. get out there, do something different. I got to throw this in here. This this popped up yesterday, and I, I saved this yeah. uh, for myself because this was, in my head, this was in reference to Jenny and I being in, in New York. But holy fuck, like, as you started talking, like, it just hit me. Okay. So uh, nine years ago yesterday... Uh, I went and saw Brother Ali, somebody that I've watched come up from, like, the battle rap scene uh, in Loring Park to, like, becoming somebody who tours around the world, right? 
And on that ascent, I went and saw him, and he said some shit. I want to say it was at 7th Street Entry. I don't think it was Main Room. But it, like, fucking knocked my world sideways enough that I wrote it down in a bar napkin. And I went home, and I, like, typed it and sent it to myself. And okay. And it, it popped up uh, from nine years ago. He goes... Oh, you were able to locate it, even. Yeah. He <laughs> goes, I was next to this jazz cat in his early 70s, and he looked at me and said... What are you, in your early 30s? I was you half an hour ago. Don't waste the time you have or you're going to blink and you're going to be looking back on it all. It's true. And that shit fucking set my world sideways standing at that show because mm-hmm. I had just kind of reinvented my life. I had just fallen in love. At that point, Jenny and I had said I love you maybe a few months previous to that and we're moving in together. And it was like the message, like like you know, the, like the the universe speaking to you. Yeah. yeah. But also, like looking back on that now, it's a totally different meaning to me because it is celebrate everything. Like, what the fuck are we waiting for? What do you? When is the when is the party that you want to throw? If not, just to celebrate the small things in life. Or like the more you shed, like the the more of those events and occasions those momentous occasions that you willfully abandon, the less that seems to qualify, including like just having a little barbecue. Yeah. You would never do that if you didn't celebrate your own birthday. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that's a rule. I'm saying that that's, you just frequently experience that where people are like, you know, I'll ask a friend, like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to sweep the deck. I'm going to, you know, pressure wash the 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 stone on the pressure washer yeah. like yeah. i'm gonna you know fucking make a sandwich yeah. uh, make sure you know the kids don't shit on the kitchen floor I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> i don't have kids i don't or know or if they do you clean yeah it. do they do that i don't have kids either none of us have kids hashtag by the way. Team no babies i don't know what they do <laughs> hey but if you're listening to this please sticky. let us know do children just shit on the kitchen floor yeah please somebody please. did just shoot us a message hashtag <laughs> shit on floor hashtag no shit on floor i'll count them up <laughs> We'll set up a Twitter poll. <laughs> but but in effect, like I'll I have friends who they don't do anything and to me like they could be in entirely content with that. When I see it I'm like dude, hey, can you can you come over? Like let's yeah. have a drink. Yeah. And sometimes they're like oh, I'm busy, but a lot of times they're like can I ever? <laughs> I'm fucking coming over and they yeah. like zoom over quicker than they can practically answer the text. They're already in the car. They're texting and driving. Like, Like, you could just do this whenever. Right. I will say, then, the the flip side of the coin, because this answer is supposed to be rapid fashion, 40... (laughs) We stomped all over your touchdown call. So my 40th birthday is probably going to be... I got a notepad of all the stupid shit that I want to do, because that's the kind of person. I love it. So I'm going to do less stuff for my 40th. But also, after the summer, because I have been in perpetual motion Mm -hmm. since the spring... Since I was fully vaccinated, I believe that at last count, the number of evenings that I didn't have plans, you know, I I work every day. And then the number of evenings that I didn't have plans at last count was four since April. Yep. I'm actually also looking forward to playing some fucking video games. Hell yes. What are you playing? playing? I just got, I keep buying them and I don't fucking have time, but I just got uh, Metroid Dread. So I like, Uh, I got to pick it up, man. Yeah. So I'm really, that's just on Nintendo though, right? Yeah. That's on switch. It's It's, uh, you know, it's like old school Metroidvania games. So it's like super difficult. It's a side scroller, like the old Metroid games. It hits us right. 
in yes. the field. Right in that and I am, I am yeah. super excited. I watched the intro today just because I was like, I already bought it. I better like at least engross myself. So I watched the intro, and then I saw the full setup of what it looks like, and I was like, oh, it's like real Metroid. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is now it's like Metroidvania as a, a genre is massive now. It's insane. And Souls likes, which are, you know, these really difficult games where you got to like collect things to advance. So being able to hearken back to what started it, Castlevania and Metroid. Yes. Really, really excites me. So that'll be probably My one s- of the first ones that I. And then I got the expansion for Ghost of Tsushima, and then I nice. transferred it over to PS5. So I'm going to play it in higher fidelity with a new island. Uh, there's a little expansion for the Final Fantasy VII remake that I have as well. And then this holiday season is not great, but February is going to be madness. There's a bunch of shit coming out in February. Dude, like, I'm so pumped. Yeah, the new um, Horizon is coming out. Nice. Which is going to be fucking stupid. And guess, then the new Destiny uh, oh, yeah. expansion, which I've been playing a lot, but the new expansion looks really cool. Did you guys see the trailer for the new um, Suicide Squad game? No. Oh, there was a new trailer, I think, yesterday, but I haven't oh, watched it yet. It's fucking awesome. Well, it's the makers of Batman. So. Yeah, so it's the... the That's the, the thing, is I have a real hard time with licensed game titles, so I never get excited. They're mostly terrible. Yeah, yeah they're mostly so terrible. historically, it's, it's, it's not been good. It's the studio that brought all the Arkham Asylum games. They did Batman. But the, Arkham, like, yeah, some Arkham of the Asylum only good ones solid. in the last so, 20 years. The idea is that uh, a villain who they have not revealed yet has found a way to um, take over the powers of the Justice League and you play the oh, su- okay. and you, you play, play the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Okay. I did see Superman in the teaser uh-huh. uh, where so I just thought it was They busted out Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman all in the the teaser as villains. Mm, okay, that might be too much for me. I'm I was fully just in. Superman as Okay, I, I got to see the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And also the developers clearly are very talented. I actually yeah. hate the new Spider-Man games. Yeah. I just I I doubt I bought them for PS5. The Miles he was Morales never my one. favorite. So. Well, it's not just that. It's just I don't like the like the small like the weakest baddie. The the ads like the weakest guys you fight often take ten minutes to kill. No, it's way Why? too difficult. That's Why is how this? it was with PS4 for me too. Because yeah, I bought the one uh, that launched with PS4 and mm-hmm. I played it for like forty minutes and I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it's difficult. It just takes too long. Yeah, you know? it, that's it, just it, it. It's just a random dude with a... He's got a pistol or whatever. Tedium sucks. Like, there's nothing... Come on. Have how, many times guys... do have to, how many times do you have to punch and web this so guy? So you, you have a Switch. Do yes. you have, do, do you have a Switch, Ben? I do not. Oh, man. Dude, the remakes of the Zelda games that they've been doing... That's pushing me to probably oh, do it. Oh, man. Because um, Ocarina in Time is probably in my top five favorite. Well, games that of all I hope time. they fully, fully. fully They're they, going but to. They've done, they, they they, that is to. the greatest game of all time. But they've done Breath of the Wild, right? Well, Bre- Breath of the Wild no, was the new. They, that was the oh, new title. So what was, they did what's Skyward the one they did? Like Sword. It's more like a higher fidelity version of Skyward Sword. Yeah, it's so not they a full remake. That's the only Zelda game I've never beat. Well, actually, I haven't beat Breath of the Wild yet either. But Skyward Sword, I haven't played at all. Skyward Sword, I have not played at all. I, so I, I hadn't. I'm actually and, happy that they did yeah, this. Yeah, so I, I skipped over I the it. Wii. I didn't have a Wii, ah, and okay. I bought a Wii U. Um, Which was the out worst of Curi- Yeah, 100%. But, but no there point. was a couple decent titles on it that I... Of course, because it's Nintendo. Well, I bought, they just mailed it in. Yeah, I bought Breath of the Wild for Wii U uh, when it came out, because I couldn't get my hands on a, on a Switch. But... Uh, 
Yeah, the the mm. the all of those games that they're remastering, you go back and you realize like the bones of those games genius are still to this day mm-hmm. that is what video games are built on. Absolutely. That structure and yeah. Shigeru Miyamoto do, is a absolute genius. A hundred percent, and, and change gaming multiple times over. Yeah, and I hope they keep going back and just refreshing it. So, because like I went back to play Ocarina, which was I have beaten that game ten times in my life probably, and I went back to play it not that long ago, and it was just it was so hard to get in there. Yeah, you know, and it because it's at the magical. time when it came it's out, ugly. you were like, "This is the greatest graphics ever." Yeah, it's ugly. And you look at it now, and you're like, "How did we think this?" Yeah. Was I just hope on whatever their next console is that they completely make remake it from the ground up. Yeah. Like, it that will make would me. Be amazing. It will make me yeah. emotional. It's uh, like the Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. I knew when they remade that that it was going to like really affect me, and it it very much did. Well, and they're doing Breath of the Wild kind of Chapter Two. Yes, is still right. in development. New, which, mm-hmm. in my opinion, Breath of the Wild is the greatest Zelda game that's been made. It's, Fuck. All right, I'll give it another shot, dude. It, it is my, my unbelievable. My nephew has a, a Switch, and I gave it to him, and I might just have to borrow it and play it for a little while. Just Definitely one of those instances where I just them. buy every game, and then don't always have time to play them. But Breath, of, I do, I absolutely have to play it. I have it. Why wouldn't Dude, I? Dude, you have to. And you got to get into it a little ways to kind of figure out because it I is. I did start, but I think that's what it was, is just uh, lack yeah. of time. And then I set it down, and then it stopped occurring to me, and then another game came out. And I was like, well, let's get this Yeah, game. exactly. Yeah, so I had it for Wii U, beat mm-hmm. it, okay. and then let it kind of go for a while. And I had, I had like, all the, the temples and stuff and all that. But... Um, got a switch and i was like well shit i'm gonna i'm gonna rebuy it for sure. the switch because it yeah. was that good right and i went i played through the whole damn thing again and i was like man this thing has staying power it is so good so i've heard nothing but good things but i avoid spoilers like the plague so <laughs> yeah oh here we go it's the final question Shotskis. that's also not a thing but it's fun all right, so we've we've kicked around a bunch of different stuff. We've talked about some great things. We all love to cook, and we all love. Uh, we've obviously talked about some pretty huge, wonderful things that we've made. I want to know, just so we can even it out for everybody out there listening, we fuck up and we screw up some cooks. Can you give me one good fuck up that you've had? Doesn't have to even be recently. Just one time where you were like so all in, oh, and you just ruined it. Man, I think it was okay. I got it. <laughs> so and and just I, just for everybody out there listening, I just watched his face as he got <laughs> it, and I was like, oh, yep, there it is. So my wife is laughing maniacally. Well, whilst I tell the story, because she always reminds me of it. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of Hasselbeck potatoes. And I thought, hey, when I do this with russets, it's fantastic. Let's do it with sweet potatoes. <laughs> and so I cut up these, you know, did did my Hasselbeck stuff, uh, put, them, put them on the smoker. It was on the Traeger. And cooked for, I mean... 
it was like two and a half hours probably. I don't even remember. Okay. <laughs> brushing, you know, it was it was more of a low and slow thing. I'm brushing with, uh, you know, an herb butter and doing all this stuff. And I got done, and it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, it was like the texture was so bad. Did it get mealy, or what was the problem? It got... So I'm trying to think of what would... When you even started this, I was like, well, what would go wrong with the sweet potato? Yeah, just so like, it... Turned to mush? Yes. Okay. So the the inside turned to mush, yet mm. the outside fortified. <laughs> you know, it became ah, okay. it became like uh, hard and, wrapped in leather. Yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. That's the funny thing about sweet potatoes is they take longer to become mushy, but when Correct. they're mushy, they're when, mushy. When they go, they go. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's that, why there's sweet potato pie and there's not russet right, potato pie. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, because yeah, again, I was like, "This is this is genius." I've done this, you know, a hundred times with with russets. Let's I swear, just... I've seen people do it though. Is there? No, is it going to be higher it. and faster. I is think it be so. Faster? I think that's okay. the point. I don't. So know. it like solidifies a little more. And Correct. So it just yeah. Slowly yeah. melts. Right, and then the outside just became shoe leather. It became so tough, and <laughs> and for a second, you know, if you go to my Instagram page, like. I, I really pride myself on the photography that's on there. And I, I looked at Nicole and I was like, I should probably still take a photo. She goes, you do not fucking put that thing on your Instagram. You got, she goes, <laughs> You're trying to salvage that. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like. But do it for the gram. You were yeah, trying I was to like, gram. I, was, trying, I was like, do it for the gram. gram the most, and she goes, dude, like, don't you dare <laughs> put that out in the world. No, don't uh, make people think this works. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. it was that moment that a. Uh, uh, a switch flipped, and if you look at my website, <laughs> my uh, Facebook, Instagram, any of that stuff, everything that is on there is shit that I have cooked, photographed, and eaten, and my stamp of approval is on it okay. uh, because it's delicious. And it was in that moment where I started kind of going to the dark side and being like, well, maybe I should just take the photo anyway. And she mm. stopped me cold and was like... and and. Guys, I mean, that's what our wives are yep. for, right? Love you, Nicole. You know, she was Love like, you. Yeah. She goes, don't I think the you other option dare. is posting it as a fail. You could have been like, this didn't work. I could have, but it looked so gorgeous. I took the oh, photos. Yeah. I just never right. posted them. And I looked at the photos, and I was like, man, this is like art. But you couldn't see. Did that, you food like, model it? Did you brush it and stuff to make it look oh, better yeah. than? Oh, yeah. Okay, no, I, well, no, 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 no. So when you said brush, I thought you uh, meant like I brushed it with butter, you know, a little bit. Um yeah, that's the other thing is like the the You're using like the caro syrup and shit to make it. Look. No, 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 no. That's with <laughs> some lacquer. I, look I how, can look say if you if you look at my stuff on Instagram, I do not use the tricks that major corporations use. Like no, I'm literally, saying, even for I'm saying maybe for something you fucked up. You're like, let me make it. Look, yeah, I, no, I this thing I, is fucked. Let me make it look. I kind of looked good. It, it looked, looked good. good. It just didn't. The texture was okay. just gone. Um, and I was so fucking bummed because I was like, this is genius. This is going to look so good. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was the one. You know, I, side note, I, my first brisket cook was okay. You know, I, I beat myself up about it at first, but then I realized that I bought a choice cut brisket Ooh. and expected, mm. you know, you needed some fat yeah yeah and that's for anybody out there who's afraid to cook a brisket the number one bit of advice i can get is spend the money to get a proper grade because 
it doesn't matter if you do everything right, if there's not enough fat content in there to render properly, it's going to dry out. It's going to be shoe leather. It's like um, grilling a chicken breast or a chicken thigh. It, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's it. And and I, I talked to so many people who are like, well, it's my first brisket cook, so I want to do something cheap so I don't screw uh, it up. Right. I'm like, no, you're just going to scare yourself from ever doing right, it again. Exactly. <laughs> it is so much more difficult. And and that goes across the board. I mean, just ingredients in general. If you Fat want, is flavor. Yes. If you want a good experience, spend the money on something that is a higher quality. Because you'll also learn bad, bad habits. If you're using inferior ingredients, right. you're going to learn. Because like, all you're going to do is try and doctor it up to make it work. Right. And then you're not actually going to understand the cooking process. And you're not going to... Like you're not going to give the respect correct to the ingredient. You know that's that's one thing I see a lot. Like on Instagram and stuff, I see these guys that like they'll be like slapping pieces of meat and stuff like that. Oh, on you their, know the worst thing? Let's is the squeeze. The squeeze. The squeeze drives me nuts. It makes me so mad. Yeah, no, the squeeze. Why the did squeeze you do all sucks. that work and then squeeze the let's, juice? Let's get rid of all this juice. I, yeah. I I cannot believe that people do that. Get the no. fuck out. No, I, I am also anti-squeeze. If you look at my stuff, I don't do this. I'll pick it up, and if it's running out, yeah, there might pro, be a little. Pro, it's running out. No, let, you can let, tell right away. Yeah. Just look at it. Let, Just let's, look at the surface area. Yeah. Let's put an asterisk. Pro-squeeze, personally. Personally. But anti-squeeze, anti-squeeze for food. what I'm going to eat. Culinarily. Yeah. Don't squeeze my food. Yeah. <laughs> squeeze me. Don't yeah. squeeze the food. Squeeze uh, my thighs, which is and the uh, other. Arabic for butt. <laughs> squeeze my thighs. <laughs> Don't squeeze my brisket, please. I, I, I'm also <laughs> squeeze my teeth, but don't squeeze my brisket, please. That's the new T-shirt. <laughs> I'm also going to say, can we please stop cutting a brisket at the point where the flat meets the point oh. and showing that off? Stop it. Show me, show me two inches into your flat. Yeah, exactly. That's what matters. If you really yes, nailed it, yes, it, yes, yes. It yeah, does not no. matter what kind of brisket it is. If you cut it at the point where the point meets the flat. It's going to be juicy. There's that whole seam of fat that runs through there. Yeah. We have let six me, let ounces here. Let me see what's going on back there. Let me get yeah. back there. Yeah. So the I, other, want, I think the other thing is if you're buying a cheaper, uh, like a choice cut yeah. like brisket, because you're saying I don't, it's my first cook, I want to go. I don't want to spend too much money. You have you will have learned nothing because if you do the exact same thing you did with like Wagyu the next yeah. time, it's going to behave different. That's what I'm saying. Like you're teaching, completely you're teaching it yourself different results. Yeah, like, boom. It may as well be another cut on the animal. Like now, I'm at the point where I've done enough briskets that I I might buy a choice to see what I can get out of it because sure. my technique is. Ref- I know that my technique is sound. Right. I know that what I'm doing works. But when you start off, and 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 again, I just want to any of you who are out there who are smoking and grilling enthusiasts who are on the internet looking at these forums. So many people on those forums have no idea what they're doing, yeah. and they talk like they are experts in the field. Do not listen to forums. Can I um, say yeah. hashtag America 2021? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean that. Just yeah, your friends I mean, said it doesn't matter. I'm a part of so many barbecue forums, and I hardly ever post anything because I get these backyard warriors who are saying that, you know, and – there is a culture in barbecue that is this chest pounding, mm. toxic, masculine thing that I absolutely despise, and I I don't want anything 
<laughs> yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, and it just rears its ugly head online. And, For real, you know, the thing is, is when it comes to food, if you cook it and you enjoy it, then it's right. There is no right or wrong. Like Eric Eastman said on the podcast. It's your mouth. It's your mouth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Charles, give me a, give me a fail. Uh, I had to think about this because I'm very meticulous about my preparation for the food that I produce, but I have one major fail and no one brought it up. When I lived at my old place, literally across the street from where we're recording here at Patmos Design, I lived here on uh, Marshall on the Mississippi River in Minneapolis. Uh, I had a party at my house. I think it was just like a UFC or something. And it was, it may have been the first time that I cooked for my at the time, future sister-in-law. And I made uh, pizzas, but I did a stone in the oven, and it, A, stone was not nearly hot enough. <laughs> B, too many toppings. Yeah. So it was like the wet dough that never cooked. Oh. And people, the people ate it up like it was great, but I was like, this is awful. Like, I can't believe <laughs> I cannot believe I served this to people. And I came up with all kinds of cool toppings. Like, I did, like, uh, barbecue, pork, and kimchi. Yeah. Like, I did a, I did it. four different, like, toppings, and I did, like, eight pizzas. And it, it may have also been a function of the – when I lived across the street here, it was a bachelor's paradise, riverside, bachelor house. The oven was a piece of shit. Of course. A total piece of shit. Like, I had my own temperature. And no one no, had I mean, ever I had my it. own uh, thermometer in there. Oh, you did temp I still it. do. Okay. Which I still do. But probably the thing had, like, cracks in the sides and wasn't temping the way that it should. And I heated the stone for an hour. Didn't clearly work the way that I wanted to. And also probably went heavy on the toppings. But made the dough, made all the toppings, like a, a myriad. I did four different styles of pizza, like a Korean pizza and Italian and all sorts of other things. And it was just, they were they were wet in the middle. You know when you have pizza that is, everyone's had pizza that's undercooked. It brings out the yeast flavor. Oh, for sure. Totally. Yep. Like it steams the yeast. So yep. You, yep. yep. That's how you know pizza is underdone. The first time I went to you, I won't say the name, but there was a local restaurant that opened and it was from like a great restaurateur. I went with a couple friends of ours and then Marty and myself. Their pizza was, and I was shocked by it because these people are pros. Their pizza, that was like, as I lifted it to my lips, I could smell the like the steamed yeah. yeast, right? <laughs> and I was like, mm mm. Mm-mm. This sounds like the brewing process is what you were so saying. I, exactly. I, you know, I ate a piece anyways because I was like, sure. well, usually the middle is the yeasty part. And then when you get toward the crust, it's going to be more cooked. But it's pretty much Ugh. like a full Ooh. layer of, oh, of the, the sticky, you know, like Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. fucking A. But, that's, but maybe it was penance. I was like, I better do this to myself because I did this to some people at my house like, <laughs> seven years ago. It was a long time ago. But that one does stick out. That does stick out in my head. That and no one said anything. Ugh. I and usually if I do, if I, I'm very self-critical as well. So if I prepare something for Marnie and myself, I'll point. Out, well, okay. So the the seasoning there should have been more salt. Mm-hmm. First of all, here here's the salt. Let me here. Let me hit that. Or I'll say, you know, a thing that I'll do different next time. And she's always like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Stop Jenny's it. the same way. Stop it. Like, and I'm like, no. Oh, like, also, I got to edit. Like, <laughs> I want to do this right. Next don't, time, it'll be better. But I maybe promise. don't tell me while we're eating the dinner that I'm enjoying. 
That's the thing. Is like you don't have to tell me. Uh, all I the... wait till after. Oh, I do see, wait. Till... No, I do. Marnie, it Marnie will make an amazing meal, and she'll set it in front of me, and she'll be like, "This isn't good." And I'll eat. It, I'm like, "What are you <laughs> fucking doing?" That's, that's like, me. That's me. Yeah. Like, that my, my wife will. The thing about it is, <laughs> she is no bullshit. Right, yeah, like yeah. she will tell it how it is, and sometimes it's rough. Sometimes, like she doesn't. Oh, so like... she'll tell you if she doesn't like something. Right, right. I love that. I yeah, love that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, she doesn't like green peppers. She has. I have a. I a, hate them. Yeah. yeah, I have a note. On Big ups, my your phone wife. Of, I hate green peppers. Do you really? Yeah, because every other pepper's better. Why would I use a green pepper? Well, green pepper's got its thing. You know, mm. I'm not. A, I'm with did, you. Yeah, I'm a fan. Time and place. That is the highest pitch your voice has been tonight, yeah, my friend. I don't think true. you believe that's what true. you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Use a poblano if you want a green pepper. All right. Oh, no, the poblanos, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Okay. Uh, but, no, that's the thing is, like, I, I trust her implicitly because mm. anybody I invite over – They've you know seen the it's Instagram of, stuff and they're like in their brain whatever they're yeah. gonna eat is amazing. Right. But with her, she's like, nah, it fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I think there was some redeeming. She's like, no, you gotta go. You know, batch one was better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> batch was better, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I I thank her for it. At at first, I always get a, a tiny bit defensive. Like, well, I was on. like, but no, but. You know, because my perception of... Do you feel like, it's pretty on point? Are you... Eh, okay. Eh, you might be right. For probably 75% but of the critique... Sometimes it's a difference in opinion. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's like a... You know, I can... I take a lot more salt than she does. Ah, yep. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a salt slut. Yeah, I, me too. I, me too. I, I, I call myself a salt tooth. Yeah. I want things seasoned to the point that you're like, what the fuck are you doing? No, and I like, think right that, at the line. <laughs> yeah, that is the point that most home cooks, I think, could really be great if they weren't as afraid yep. to salt the food. This came oh, up last night. Yep. Eric Eastman said, yeah, what I, are the three things that uh, distinguish the home cook from like a really talented home cook or like a chef? Yeah. And we we're talking about it and he was asking Andrew Kraft and he, he said, well, Charles could probably speak to this as well. So the first one that everyone agreed on, seasoning. Seasoning, 100%. Seasoning and salt, like hit it with a crazy amount and, of salt. And the thing the thing that I th- I think a lot of people don't realize is you have to salt throughout the Correct. process. Every stage. But every stage. the taste too. Right. Be- so you don't overdo it. Like right. I but was- this is why this, the, that's why the phrase is salt to taste because at the end like is it properly seasoned taste it and then salt so they and, continue. And not all salts are created equally. Correct. Like last Absolutely. night I was running. I did a test run. I, I'm cooking. I'm doing a class uh, tomorrow night mm-hmm. um, on. It's like a 18 ounce ribeye wagyu ribeye, and from Snake River Farms, and they sent sure. this uh, uh, amazing salt garlic pepper combo. Oh, cool! And I seasoned that steak the same way I would do it with, you know, kosher salt, pepper, and garlic. And it was too much. Yeah. And I took one bite and I was like, okay. Oh, so it was class, pretty heavy in salt. It was probably right? like, like but iodized table salt. Exactly. Well, yep. it was it was thicker. Like or maybe it was like in, higher in salt than it would seem because it right. seems like three things. Right, 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 right. So and it's like it is like a seasoned salt. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So it was the the saltiness of the salt was such that 
I needed to dial back immediately. But that's the thing is you got to taste. You got to and. I made the mistake of I didn't try it before. Mm. I see. I assumed oh, sure. that it was going to be like my kosher salt that uh, I have in the cabinet. Yeah, because I do that with Penzi's stuff because you get a right, box of right, I'll, right. I'll pour in my hand. Because usually the salt is an element. Right. But if something is a salt that tastes like other things, then, of course, it's going to have like a very high quotient of, yeah. of the salt yeah, yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. then it's a good thing you tested it. Yeah. So now, now I'm like, you know, going into this class, all of these – Students that are going to be, you know, uh, tuning into this thing, uh, I don't want to give them a bad experience where they're like, "This is way too much salt." Uh, Fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is a ribeye that's almost two inches thick, uh, and so, so it, it can needs handle salt. a it lot. Needs salt. Yeah. And so that's what I went for. I was like, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna fucking do this the way it needs to be done." And and I was like, "Oh, I got to dial back." Just so, kidding. Mm. Test your seasonings, uh, taste throughout yep. all the process, and yeah, yeah. No, you're- that's a difference between oftentimes, as you essentially yeah. stated, a fucking banger of a dish or an entire fucking failure of a dish. And even the last episode that aired with Nate talking about if you got a big stock pot of a soup, even if you're using uh, a salted broth. With all the vegetables and everything else, different things take different Correct. amounts of salt. But when I cook a soup or a stew or a puree, like the purple cauliflower puree I made a couple of days ago, you got there's so many spoons in the sink, it's madness because yeah. I'm yeah. like because I keep hitting it. Like, and I and, also and try you get to, shocked. You're like, I, my fucking arm hurts. How is well, this taking? I try to salt? avoid. I try to avoid salted ingredients that are pre-salted. Well, of course, for one. You know, start out with a I, low sodium broth. I don't with I don't with stocks because because of how much I like salt. I'm already you're, unless you're I make, in unless I make my own. Stock. Yeah, like, right, my whole fri- right. my whole freezer in the basement is full of my own stock. Yeah, so, but I've already I've already seasoned that to like where I'm at. I, I just wanted to jump in and say yeah. that what you had said about salt. That's my cooking fail because it's the same thing. Oh, I riffed on uh, I was at and uh, we have an Asian market on Lowry that's awesome and they get these incredible fresh herbs and stuff that we really don't have access to at a lot of the grocery stores around here and I was looking for some bird's eye you gotta love that about Asian markets by the way small digression yeah like wherever you live seek out yes ethnic markets Asian markets are you always always have like and, and also ingredients that you would otherwise get at Lund's for Way cheaper because they're regularly used. Duck and things like that, you can find in an Asian market mm-hmm. yes. for $4 a pound, yeah. where if you get it at the co-op, it's going to be You'll get two sprigs of mint for $4 at, at a grocery <laughs> store. Whereas if you go to the Asian, the Asian market, you'll get a pound of mint. The, and, yeah. <laughs> it's like twined. Yeah. And so uh, the the literally the bird's eye, the, the Thai chili peppers just hadn't come in. And there was right next to where they are, it was just an empty row and right next to it were a bunch of chili peppers that looked fucking similar and i was like oh all right cool uh, so i grabbed that and i made a scratch green curry and i toasted the spices and i went for it and it was like a solid two and a half hours of prep and cooking and simmering and jenny and i sat down across from each other and we started eating and she wasn't saying anything but she was like just like keeping eating and I'm literally feeling sweat drizzle down my spine. Not drip, 
drizzle. Like it was a river. It was a creek <laughs> going so down. Funny. Like Alan Jackson would write a fucking country song and ski in water jeans or <laughs> wait, water ski in jeans about the fucking river going down. No, the I back. want to hear more about water jeans. Yeah. Ski in well, water jeans. I mean, uh, I guess that's what yeah, he was skiing in. Uh, like that. And and finally, I just put my spoon down and I was like. Babe, I, I don't know if I can eat this. And she goes, oh, my God, thank God. She's like, I was trying because you seemed like you were okay. She just sent me a deli. And then I literally pulled up my hat and my fucking hair was just soaked. <laughs> and I was still, here's the best part. I was still so arrogant that I was like, I can fix this. <laughs> okay. So I, Eat scoop, butter. I scooped it all in and I put it in the fridge and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this. And like a couple of days went by, and we were just trying to make some room in the fridge. Meanwhile, it's getting hotter. It's getting hotter. Yeah. <laughs> and Jenny looks at it's me. It's permeating every and, fucking and Jenny just, Every molecule yeah. of that dish. And Jenny just looks at me and she goes, Honey, be honest. What are you going to do to fix that? I ain't even like, No, you're right. Nothing. Let me grab it. Just Coconut dump, milk. Dump the whole thing out. Just fucking rinse it out. But it was like, I, I, A, I love her so much because that. She's she has said that's the only dish I've ever made that she felt was like inedible, but she was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and we'll just see. <laughs> Spoiler and, alert oh though, God. what was it? Did you ever figure you know what out what those were? were? The, the chilies, so they are not there anymore. And literally they just must have gotten like a different batch and then that was what was what. But I wasn't as we were going, I wasn't tasting like I mm. I tried a little bite and I'm like, well, I mean so you That's might have thinned it out a little earlier in the process. Absolutely, if you yeah. Realize what was going Absolutely. on. Absolutely, but I was so like we were having a good Wait, time. How long ago was this? That would have been like six, seven years ago. Okay, yeah, you know what it tastes like. It's, now, it's sure. ever since then. Like yeah. it's it is an active process at every layer. A quick digression. I you remind me of another fuck up. I'm going to say it real quick. It wasn't like that detrimental, but I make. Great curries. You do. I make my own yellow curry powder with 22 spices and in it's it. It's fucking amazing. I need One time, some of that. I am about to make another batch. I need to go to Penzi's and collect some things, and then I'm going to make Hook another batch up. very soon. I love it. One of the times when I made like my famous curry that I make, and uh, usually I, I use like a multitude of proteins, but when I do it like the the like really dope way, I do chicken thigh and I do shrimp. One time, a couple of years ago, I, when I threw the shrimp in, the liquid was still way too hot. Mm. And to like uh. not kill the shrimp, because I had these really beautiful large shrimp, <laughs> I poured in some stock. And then it, the reduction that I had, got, I didn't think about it. And then when I did it, so I, like, I, I, I basically took away an hour of reduction yeah. by adding stock yeah. and they'd be like whatever I'll stir it all together I want to kill these shrimp but I should have just said fuck the shrimp and pulled them out yeah add I, shrimp last. like live yes like a live action yeah yeah it, it, I, I just realized how quickly those shrimp were cooking and it was just the, the boil was really hot and I was yeah. like oh no I gotta cool this down and that was my instantaneous yep. response was like pour some stock in there and then, of course, I stir it all together, and it is much thinner than it had been. And I was like, dude, I've been working on this. In effect, like, if you think about, like, making the curry itself, even though it doesn't just go into one batch, making the curry hours and all the prep and, and the knees and everything. Uh, like, many, many hours of work. 
And I, it was still fine, but you pour over the rice and it like fell through the rice. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> After all that, you, just made, you made a can of Campbell's curry and rice soup. Yeah. It's just like yeah, just the rice was floating on top of the broth. No, man. Like, no. Just like you were talking about with the still chicken. Still tasted delicious, but it was not what I intended. Yeah. <laughs> like you were talking about with the chicken. Same thing with shrimp, man. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're if you're running high heat, it's like. 20 to 30 seconds aside to get them out of there because mm. they will you know and and marinating shrimp and stuff like that it's half an hour or less because mm-hmm. it'll yeah. turn into mush mm-hmm. because of all the acids breaking down all that yeah shrimp's fun too because it's an interesting protein because you yeah. can grill them or saute them and get them like with that blonde color on them mm-hmm. or what i do uh i like to row up two skewers and get them straight out and get them right on the coals yes. so you are burning them cuz you can't you can't burn a shrimp. Good luck. Try to burn yeah, a shrimp. Yeah, yeah. But scorching them, it tastes entirely different. Yep. It's an entirely Absolutely. different. Absolutely. But yeah. that flavor, oh man, so like good. a charred with that shrimp. residual sweetness on the Ooh, inside. Yeah. That, uh, it's like a different carcinogenic effect than what you're getting on like a steak, but yeah. they're both equally satisfying because when you get that smoky, charred shrimp, before you overcook it, because yes. the other thing is, that's why I row them out, and they will touch each other. That's the other thing that keeps them from overcooking. I'll row them out, two skewers, and then have them touch each other. Basically, I turn them into a shrimp steak. There you go. It keeps them from drying, but also makes it so that the surface is totally exposed. That's awesome. Fucking blast them, flip them, super hot. Like, my grill is hot as I can get it. It's probably like 800, 900 degrees. And then get them out of there. And then they're like super charred and still juicy in the middle. It's, it's like it's a totally different thing than making a scampi or something. Love it. Well, I'm throwing it back around to that that question. I just want to remind everybody that uh, cooking you you learn. I, I I would say that I've learned more from fucking up than I've learned from succeeding, and it should always be that sort of a struggle. It should always be a push to try and figure out what the next thing is. So don't be afraid to fuck up. Try something, but just invest in good ingredients, and then you'll know that. If something got messed up, it was your method, and you could figure out a way to tweak that. Right. You win or you learn. Don't let you have good technique and the ingredients fail you. I also have uh, another one to talk about, and I totally <laughs> okay. fucking forgot about Let's this. Let's do it. Do we, we already drink the rest of our booze? Yeah. I got I think a little bit the, I, I mean, I'm, I'm good. We, we're bonus. We, yeah. yeah, we there drank you. the bottle. Bonus shot. Uh, ben, the time that you came over and I cooked you ribeye. We were drinking our asses we off, and I was hammered and forgot to go get it. And that was, I think that might be the Wait, only time. Wait, did you get it off the grill? Or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it that was, was the only so time I cooked for steak. Ben. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yeah, man, I got this. We're good. And we started drinking and getting into conversation. And as you can see by listening to this podcast, both <laughs> Ben and I love to talk. <laughs> And so I want to officially extend <laughs> another you want a redo because I'm dude yeah. I am teaching classes on you how to cook by redo anything like I felt so bad that I it was like medium plus and that is not okay <laughs> when it comes to a steak in my book. What and, was the grade? What was the grade? Uh, it was the choice cut from Costco, which. Oh. In most scenarios, would be a prime cut mm-hmm. at your standard. Okay, 
because obviously fat, fat content matters as well. Yeah, because, and with a ribeye, you got, I mean, choice cut, you're still going to have a pretty good run. But um, I, I wanted to come here to formally apologize for because we were drinking pretty good in my backyard. We were. And I also... I, Maybe I, he didn't notice that the steak was over. No, no, no he noticed. I, I also... No, you always... You, you know. I sandbagged you. Because you were in one of your wheelhouses, and I derailed us into music. That's and that true. Was that That's true. We started talking music. I knew. Yeah. I knew when it started that this was a bad idea. Because <laughs> because uh, I do that. I freely admit I do that. Like when we start going down a rabbit hole, if music happens, I know that there's no way that you're going back to what you were thinking. Uh, about. As a mediator, I got to say that it's still Andy's fault because. <laughs> The, know it is. the bartender cannot allow. It's true. Someone it's true. To, it's true. To, to pull them away. But again, I am not them. a chef. I am a cook. Well, I will. I will <laughs> accept. I will accept the redo part due. Yes, and we, we need to do it. This All right, let's bring this train into the station. This has been fucking awesome. I love it. Uh, uh, one more time, remind everybody where they can follow along with all of your barbecue adventures. Absolutely. So, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter is all BBQ with Boterman. That is B O T E R M A N. And then I also have my website, which uh, I have a, a host of recipes uh, that that are on there. Uh, that is also BBQ with uh, check that out. Uh, I'm, I'm in the process. I have a whole bunch of recipes and things that I've been working with kind of in the hopper. And I'm trying to figure out if I want to do a cookbook or if I want to do what I want to do with it. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But uh, I would love to have you on there. If you guys have any questions about smoking meat, stuff like that, my, my main reason for getting into uh, doing this in a public way is to take some of the pretentiousness out of cooking. At the end of the day, uh, especially when it comes to barbecue, we're talking about a cut of meat and fire. It is the most uh, primal thing you can do. There should be no pretension to it. Yet again, there is this chest pounding stuff. I am not that way. So if, if, if you're listening to this and you find yourself in the grocery store and you see a, a certain cut of meat and say, Hey, that's on sale. Uh, you know what can I do with that? Shoot, shoot me a message on Instagram. I love it. Um, I, I I absolutely adore coming up with different recipe ideas and things like that. So I, I'd love to help you out. Um, yeah. So so check out those. We all gotta eat. Fuck yeah. We all gotta right. Uh Do you want to plug a sponsor at all? Uh, yeah, I could definitely plug a sponsor, plug a couple. So, uh, uh, definitely check out if you're in the Twin Cities Metro, the number one resource for awesome barbecue is Northern Fire Barbecue, uh, in, in, in Minnetonka. Uh, they are absolutely awesome. They sell every cool. type of grill, smoker, that the anything. hoodie you're wearing. Yes, that's okay. the hoodie I'm wearing. So, uh, yeah, Northern Fire. Uh, they have a ton of seasonings. They also carry uh, a bunch of really high-end meats. So, oh, really? Uh, okay, yeah. So, so you're talking Wagyu beef, uh, a lot yeah. of Snake River Farms products, uh, as well as Compart cool. Family Farms. Never heard of them. So that's Duroc uh, pork. Duroc pork, nice. which is the this winningest is pork in barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until you've 
done it yourself. I, I, it is unreal. And can I give a shout, a personal shout out to Aaron, who yeah. owns uh, Northern Fire Barbecue. Absolutely, incredible human who has given me a lot of advice. Who's going through a pretty tough time right now. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So a lot of love to him and his whole family and the whole group of friends that are out there trying. Yeah, Aaron, make- Aaron and Missy. Uh, you know, they they started this shop. Uh, Aaron was unfortunately involved in a in a pretty horrific car accident on 169. Uh, well, he was working, like going to deliver smokers to somebody. Uh, so he had been uh, in the ICU for a while. Um, he's seemingly doing better. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm waiting for more updates every day. So he's he's coming back together. But yeah, support that man. He is uh, and. Him, him, and Missy. They're they're just wonderful people. Uh, if you want to get into barbecue, well? yeah, they, yes, they have yeah. some of it. Um, they're they're kind of starting to get into that, but of course, his okay. accident kind of mm-hmm. put that on the back burner for right now. So, if you're listening outside of the Twin Cities, uh, I don't know where that's going to be at at this moment. But check out Northern Fire Barbecue. But you do have a national sponsor that you work with as well yeah so i i definitely uh work with meat church uh barbecue uh they are national or international at this point they're international yeah they're they're shipping all over the place so Mm -hmm. matt Pittman, uh he was one of the first guests on uh barbecue pitmasters remember that show oh yeah 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 uh so he was one of the guys i think he got second place he's still a little Mm. little hurt about that but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he makes amazing, uh, amazing seasonings. Uh, check check out meatchurch.com. Um, yeah, I, I love those seasonings. Uh, love working with them. And then, yeah, uh, Frank's Kraut, if you're going to do anything sauerkraut related. Damn right. Great Kraut. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love working with them. Uh, will you do me a favor, and uh, as things progress with Aaron, will you just let us know, and we can post an update on our socials as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know I know. there's a GoFundMe for some of his medical expenses. Um, it, it was a pretty pretty bad accident. So We, we, uh, we, we, we have survived and succeeded because we have an incredible family of friends and listeners and people who just enjoy – the libations and life and everything in between. Yeah. So uh, if there's any way that we can help out one of our own, we'll, we'll do whatever we can. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being on the show. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, so much fun, you guys. <laughs> the last time I showed thank up you, to a Andy. podcast, yeah. it was, uh, you know, uh, wasn't what this was. So. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, Charles, <laughs> if, if people are looking for what you're up to right now, uh, where should they go look? At libations for everyone. <laughs> Whatever, really. Fuck yeah, man. I'm always torn. Like, yeah, you don't have to follow me on stuff. I mean, you can if you want. I'm to. not going to lie to you. That picture of the, the steak that you posted, I think it was over the weekend. A couple was, days ago. That was one of the sexiest. Oh, man. Holy. What was the cut? It was a flank. Oh, I love it. it was I so did, a, yes. did, a, did a citrus marinade on a flank and then grilled that off. I did a purple cauliflower puree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did some microgreens. I did a Thai chili vinegar from Uncle Paul. Uh, and I did some green be- the last green beans from our garden and some oyster mushrooms. And as far as, uh, I don't know, if you like uh, really cute dogs and cats, a beautiful brunette, uh, idiot, mm-hmm. 
takes on music and lefty politics. You can find me at Quaminist. Otherwise, Why are you just uh, writing my Instagram. I didn't even give it my handle. <laughs> uh, otherwise, just hit us up at Libations for everyone. Tell your friends about yeah. the show. Uh, leave us a review. Tell your friends to leave us a review. It's always amazing. And again, it helps us get out to more people. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much. And, Thanks for uh, making it to the end. Too. Fucking amen. Anytime. Like, if you're listening to us now, we love you. Thank we you. We love you so much. Love we it. appreciate you. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Y'all Let's say, go. Here we go. Fall. Big guy weather, baby. <laughs> <laughs>